Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
What a song. What a song. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sodder Show. I'm Rory Sodder, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all. Uh, we were not on the air last week. Um, I took the uh, week off. I had a lot of other things going on. Um, we are back, though. It feels amazing. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've missed all of you. Um, you know, I, I really, you know, um, admire this industry, and I, I, I just adore it, and it's become a huge passion of mine. So um, when I go without it, it, it drives me crazy a little bit. I'll tell you, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm that type of guy that really loves the structure in life and, and, and doing things on a set schedule. So you know what, guys? And I'll tell you, a lot, a lot going on. Um, as usual, uh, when I was away, I was keeping up with the news every 15 minutes. I'm always on top of things. Um, big show tonight. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank all my guests, my co-hosts, my sponsors and audience. You are an amazing, incredible. I could describe you in, with so many different words. Uh, the show is listened to in 25 countries on 70 online platforms. Um, I've, I've just signed various deals with different networks, one of them being uh, Freedom First Network. I want to give them a huge shout-out. Thank you guys so much. Um, everybody, I also want to alert you. I will be um, doing my first broadcast at Salem uh, here in the next couple weeks because um, Arizona is opening back up. The studios are ready for me. Um, so it's showtime. And uh, as everybody knows, Salem is a huge organization. Some of the biggest icon names in radio history um, have been involved with their station. Uh, Larry Elder, Sean Hannity, Sebastian Gorka, Mark Levin, Hugh Hewitt, Dennis Prager. The list goes on and on. I mean, it, it, it's, it's just a, a great way to advance my career and move to the next level. And I'll tell you, uh, we are living uh, in the most important times of our life and also the, the scariest. I mean, it, it's causing a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, uh, a lot of mixed emotions flowing. I mean, you know, I, I, I can't believe my eyes with, with what I'm witnessing in these streets and, you know, with this COVID scandemic and how, you know, just, just divisive politics has become. I mean, you know, it's, it's a whole new level of extreme. Um, guys, guys, I, I want to say um, wherever you are, I hope your week is going very well. I hope it's going accordingly. And, you know, um, I will be on tonight and tomorrow. I was supposed to be on last night, uh, but I had some other duties and responsibilities uh, I needed to attend to. So um, I apologize about that. Um, and also, last, last announcement that I want to uh, establish and, and make clear. You know, people keep asking me when I'm coming out with my network. Well, guys, I've been working on it. And I've also been working on a hundred other things. I've been working on a lot of stuff. I've got hundreds of things to do. So that network has been on the back burner. We've raised money. We are going to do it. We're going to have notable names doing their own shows, radio, TV, you name it, all that good stuff, 24-7 breaking news coverage. So, so it's, it's happening. I, I've just kind of, you know, Corona slowed it down a little bit. There's, there's certain variables uh, that factor into, you know, why it's currently out there. Um, but I, I'm – from what I from what I see from 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 my you know how I anticipate things I would say end of this week or early next week so just wanted to put that out on the table 
Um, tonight's show, we have U.S. Congressional nominee from California, Chris Bish, will be calling in. Uh, we'll be having U.S. Congressional nominee from Michigan, David, David Dudenhofer. Very excited to talk to him. Uh, founder of Baldwin Research Institute and the St. Jude Retreats, Mark W. Sheeran, will be calling in. We'll be having best-selling author Dylan Howard, uh, best-selling author Dr. Richard Lee, Second Amendment expert Dan Wass, retired NYPD officer and, and um, lawyer uh, Joe Murray, popular talk show host and attorney Eric Matheny, crime expert Carlo Cavazzuti, U.S. congressional candidate from Florida Dr. O Eric Aglier, political activist Equital Middleton, leaders of Black for Trump, and more. I mean, this, this is a, a packed lineup, I'll tell you. Um, but guys, I want, I want to start off with, you know, the main, the main headline, which is the RNC. You know, I was not on air last week, so I did not really get to, um, um, you know, address this. But I, I, was, I was blown away. I was beyond impressed. I mean, they, they did a phenomenal job. It's perhaps the best RNC I've ever seen. I mean, they, they did everything you know, you couldn't, you could not have asked for anything better. I mean, it was just top of the line, right on par. The speakers were unbelievable. Um, just, I was mesmerized and inspired by so many of their stories and the way the Republicans did it. They actually used real human beings and, and that have experienced hardships and, and really, you know, allowed them to, um, you know, t tell their tell their chapter of life rather than the Democrats using Hollywood to try to influence uh, their voters. Which you know what, I, those days are gone. Hollywood influence is as limited as you you can think. I mean, it's not it's not even relevant at this point. I mean, it's been so exposed. I mean, so many people are telling Hollywood actors on both sides. You know, unless you have specifics. We're not going to vote for you just because you say so. You know, and I said this on my show many times. Guys like Kanye are different because Kanye comes out and tells you what, like, beliefs. He tells you why to vote for this person, what, what their policies are, and he's actually making a difference. So, you know, people like Taylor Swift, you know, slews like that come out and tell you, vote for this person because I say so. It, it's out of control, but... You know, anyways, I mean, and Trump, Trump gave the best speech of his entire career last Thursday. I mean, he got the audience going, um, you know, was on, was, was right on, right on cue. I mean, he addressed every single possible issue we're facing, um, you know, totally nailed it out of the park with um, his, his accomplishments. Um, you know, he, he made sure everybody was aware of those. I mean, and I've talked about this on my show many times. He's fulfilled and delivered on 80% of his agenda within three years. 80%. Most presidents, after, after eight years, don't even deliver 10%. I mean, this guy is something straight out of heaven. And, and you know what? I mean, th think about everything he's had to endure. Think about everything he's had to overcome. Think about everything to him in the last couple of weeks whether they're slandering his family, whether they're personally attacking him, uh, it doesn't even phase him. We saw him lose his brother, and then he was back at work the next day. He was back, you know, uh, doing his job for the American people. Most politicians would have took time off. But I, this guy, you know what's inspiring? This guy, his drug is working. And, and I know a lot of people like that. I'm, I'm one of those people. 
I get up, I go to bed probably about 1 or 2 in the morning, wake up about 6.30. I don't sleep much. You know, I, the more you sleep, in my opinion, the more money you lose. I mean, be awake early, make your investments, get out there, you know, uh, network as much as possible. And, and, and you know what? He's been doing this in business his whole life. So he's carried that knowledge and that insight and that talent over to the presidency. And I've always said running this country is a business. It's a CEO job. What's the first thing you need to do in order to make things functional in your society? Have the economics in check. Very clear. Very clear. And you know what, guys? I'll tell you. Look at, look at how Corona, all the media, all, you know, all the naysayers, oh, the, the stock market, the economy, oh, it's going to do all this, ble- it's going to collapse. All the, all the leftists kept saying that. And now, now look at the stock market. It's, the high, it's reaching record highs. I mean, they're breaking numbers like never seen before. It's unreal. I've made so much money just today. Just today. I'm, I, I mean, I can't even believe it. I mean, I've never seen returns uh, this astronomical. And you know what? The, you know, I, in the unemployment, I mean, it's, it's pretty much going back to normal. I mean, this, this was only this whole COVID thing. The Democrats tried to make this, you know, um, a blame game on Trump. But it completely backfired because this guy's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. He knows how he's going to fix the economy. He did it once, and he's, now he's doing it again. So you know what? And it's really um, – and I'll tell you, um, the way his fan base and the way we, the way we adore him and, the, and, and how he can get so much excitement out of, out, of, out of the crowd, you've never seen this sort of level of intensity – or, or um, j- just NBA arenas, you know, and, and you look at how he presented himself last week, just perfect. I mean, you know what, I, I don't like to use the word polished, but he was very well spoken, you know, made a few jokes here and there. But, uh, you know, we've, we, we, we've obviously seen a, a more smart ass side of Trump. But this was really um, praise on both sides. There were a lot of people that thought this was a great speech. And what about his wife? I mean, what? Just she was amazing, phenomenal, tremendous. I mean, just, just like, just it's quite something. It's quite something. And and Ivanka, Ivanka did amazing too. All the kids. I mean, those kids are are quite something. They, they are uh, beyond impressive. And you know, they're just like their father. And he 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 gave them such a gift. I mean, he you know all his wisdom all his strength all his knowledge um and they you know they're, they're beyond lucky they really are i mean and just i loved it i loved it and the, the, here's the thing about the republicans and, and and about trump there's so many democrats leaving the party right now because they can't resonate with how far left their current situation is so they're going to Trump as moderate. They may not agree with everything he does, but it's a whole lot better than them seeing their cities burned down and all this crap that the Democrats won't condemn. I mean, it's so out of control. And, and, and Trump really um, made it clear and, and, and you know, really made it a strong effort to you know, get the independents, get the moderates, you know, get, get the black vote um, 
under his, you know, under his watch, under his radar. I mean, they, they are coming to him in packs. He just, uh, black support for him just surged. I think he's, last poll I read, over 30% of black support. I mean, we all know once a Republican gets past 10% of black support, the Democrats are screwed. I mean, Trump only got 8% of the black vote um, in 2016, but now it looks like over 30%. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And think about this. C-SPAN did a whole uh, poll, and they did a whole analysis and segment, and, and the record, Trump had the longest speech ever, and Joe Biden had the shortest speech ever in terms of the acceptance, in terms of, you know, getting the nomination. So, and we already talked about the DNC a couple weeks ago when I was on air. It was the biggest clown show on earth. They have no, nothing to offer the American people. They're, the only thing they have is enabling illegals, enabling felons, and, but, but nothing for the American worker, nothing for the everyday person they live in their own little bubble they like to put people in boxes they like to tell everybody that they're victims they like and they, they like to give away other people's money to people that that don't earn it I, i'm just you know what there, at least you know i've never agreed with the democratic party but at least one point in time there was some sort of substance there was actually something there you know but now it's just rhetoric now it's just hate now it's just you know divide 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 you know even if Trump does something that they agree with, they won't give him credit for it because they don't want him to win. They don't want him to get that W or they don't, I mean, it's just so, Oh my God, it's a bunch of children. It really is. And I'll tell you, Trump, you know, Biden's trying to appeal to the black community, but we all know about the 94 crime bill. We all know Biden's comments about, you know, calling them all these different names and referring to them in, in various derogatory terms. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's not going to fly. I mean, you, you've got, you've got tr- Trump that did more in three years for the black community than Biden did in 47 years. And Kanye West running as an independent, you know, like I said earlier, um, no, I didn't say this earlier today on the show, but I've said it before many times on the show. If you, because there's a lot, this is, this is real. Kanye is getting on a lot of ballots, and a vote for Kanye is a vote for Trump. And I'll tell you why. It's taking away votes from Biden, because there's a lot of blacks that are not comfortable with voting for Biden. They are just not, because they know the 94 crime bill. They know, his, they know some of the remarks he's made. And they're not fully on board with Trump for a guy who is arguably the greatest artist of his generation. He's got the biggest fan base in music, and he's pretty much running on one of the most important issues we face in our society, pro-life. And those are, those are the real black lives that matter because 50 million babies, no, it wasn't 50 million. It was like over 20 million in the last 50 years have been killed at Planned Parenthood. And I don't see black lives matter coming out hooting and hollering. So, but, but here's my other point. No devoted black Trump supporter will vote for Kanye. So that, that's where Kanye comes in and helps Trump because the people, the black support for Trump is already there. That's not going to change. You're just going to have these certain, you know, uh, stubborn voters. I don't want to call them stubborn because I actually love Kanye. I think Kanye is doing a lot of great things. And Kanye has also admitted that he's in this to spoil the Biden campaign. So, I mean, you know, this, this is not um, – this is not rocket science to figure out. So, but I, I, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really, really interesting. And Black Lives Matter, the approval, 
I mean, they're tanking in battleground states right now. It's really bad. I mean, Minnesota hasn't gone blue. I can't even remember the last time. I mean, no, my bad. Minnesota hasn't gone red. I mean, I, I don't even know when the last time was. It's always gone blue. It's always gone blue. And, and now it's, a, it's considered a battleground state for 2020. And Trump, in certain polls, is leading there. Can you believe that? And this is a highly heavy populated um, Muslim, um, you know, group, uh, area, a lot, lot of African-Americans. Um, so, you know, if that's not any indication, but also, you know, there's a lot of hardworking uh, middle-class people there that, you know, are, are sick of this shit. I mean, they don't want to see their city on fire. They don't want to see war zones. And, you know, we all notice a pattern. I mean, there's other states that are up for grabs, too. I mean, you wouldn't even believe. I mean, they're, they're even talking about Oregon, possibly. I mean, you know what? I'm, I'm not even going to go and say California because California, I mean, they, they, have, they have so much voter fraud. They have so much bullshit going on. I mean, they, they basically, the Democrats own that state. But I'm trying to think of a few other ones. Um, trying to think. There were some other ones that were, like, in play for Trump. I'll, I'll get him here shortly, and I'll, I'll let you guys know. But, I mean, things are changing. That's no doubt about that. I mean, there's no doubt. Um, and, and you know what? I, I just hate, I hate what's really going on. You know, uh, look at Kenosha. Look at all this crap. I mean, you know, the problem in our society is we get from the media a 30-second clip that's edited, and then you have all this outrage from people when they don't even know the real facts. Like Jacob Blake. Do you know what this guy did? He raped a woman. And then the cops were coming to arrest him. And this is who Black Lives Matter wants to defend. But Jacob Blake, you know, I don't, I don't think he should have been shot seven times. That's a little excessive. I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm not saying that. But what do you think is going to happen when you resist arrest, get out of the handcuffs, and run to your car? Do you think the officer is just going to stand there and allow you? I mean, I'm, I'm so confused on where we've come as, as civilians. I mean, they're trying to raise money. And if, I mean, I, and the whole being paralyzed, it's terrible. I don't wish that upon anybody. But why can't some of these people just follow the law? They make the black community look bad. And I have a lot, you know what? I have a lot of black friends, a lot. And I talk to them and they're not happy with the way some of these people act. You know, they're not, the, they're not, they're not you know, satisfied with the way they portray themselves. And you know what? I get there's dirty cops saying there's not. I get there's corrupt individuals out there, just like any industry. And we need to hold them accountable. But we also can't frame people. We also can't, you know, and it's all a narrative. It's all an agenda. You know, what, what, about, all the, what about the white people that were killed this year? There were more white people killed, and you don't even hear about it on the news. What about little Cannon, the little innocent white kid riding his little bike at five years old, some black guy out of nowhere because he was pissed off at white people. And this is the honest truth. That's what he said. Comes up, shoots the little kid, point blank range. And they didn't even know each other. I mean, it, this is insane. You know, and, you know, we, we go off of fake narratives. I mean, all these fake narratives, Trayvon Martin, Breonna Taylor, um, uh, George Floyd. I mean, it, 
I, I don't know. I don't know what, you know what? I'm just, I'm, I'm just tired of the out, the phony outrage. I really am. I, I can't, I can't handle it. And I get there's flaws. I get there's issues in these cases. And what about, what about Kyle? What about Kyle Rittenhouse? What about him? I mean, he was self-defending himself and, and, and all the media does is portray him as the enemy. I mean, maybe he crossed some, you know, I mean, I know there's state lines and I know there's certain stipulations and things you're not allowed to do with firearms going into other states, but that's a whole nother story. I mean, if you're getting attacked, and by the way, his attackers, let's not forget, they were white and they were also, one of them was, a, I think, a pedophile, and we, we, all, we heard that. Another one was, acute, um, was charged with domestic violence in the past. And another one was charged with, like, burglary or something. So all these people had a, a record, all these people that were trying to attack him. And, and you know what? I'll tell you something. I don't want to get too off topic here. But Black Lives Matter and Antifa, there are a lot of – there for the most part, it's a lot of white thugs, a lot of white punks that are trying to make the blacks look bad and are trying to bring the blacks down with them. Because if you look at who funds Black Lives Matter, it's the 1%. It's George Soros. That's who it is. I mean, and other, among others, of course, but, I mean, you, you know where I'm going with this. You know, and, and it's so violent out there. We have 5 million first-time gun owners in 2020. 5 million first-time gun owners. It's incredible. It's incredible. And you know what? We, you know, this is something that really bothers me. I'm, I'm going to keep kind of shifting a little bit. I got to get to everybody on the panel. But athletes, like the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, all this bullshit has totally turned into a circus. You know what? I'll be honest with everybody. I haven't even watched one NBA game this year. There's so much more bigger problems in the world than watching people throw a ball in a hoop. And then not, not only that, they're bitching about how oppressed they are. They're bitching. And then they go back to their million-dollar mansions. And you know what? They, they, they endure, endure, adore and endorse and enable uh, all these people that were in the wrong. You know, because I can go back and look at the Black Lives Matter group, and I can point out 90% of these cases where the cop was justified. You might have that 10% where the cop was not justified. That's fine. But if you're going to enable cop killers, if you're going to enable felons, if you're going to enable people that got themselves into trouble – I mean, you know what? It's very simple. Just follow the law. Just follow the law. And it's been hijacked. Sports has been hijacked. We don't go to sporting events to hear what other people have to think about politics. I go to sporting events to get away from politics because I don't care. I mean, and all these people, you know, like uh, LeBron James, they're so pompous. They're so ignorant. They're so, I mean, they're so out there for themselves that they think they matter that much. They're that significant. It's like, like with voting, especially like, dude, you're not, you're not there to tell people how to vote. And now the NBA arenas are going to turn into voting registration places and, and NFL stadiums and all this different shit. I mean, have you guys noticed? I read this today. The NBA has the lowest ratings in five years, in five years. That proves nobody gives a shit. And guess, guess what game was the least watched uh, the other night in this whole NBA season? It was the Lakers playoff series. It goes to show people are tired of that big mouth 
dumbass LeBron James. I mean, the guy – and the guy's made racist comments in the past, too. He's talked about white people in a bad way. I mean, I can go on and on. Go look at some quotes this guy has said. And you know what? Anytime there's a shooting without researching anything, he starts hooting, hooting and hollering and sounding the red – you know, sounding the alarm. And then, oh, my God, all the sheep in the NBA follow LeBron, follow him. And he's the most overrated player, I think, uh, he's one of them at least. I mean, who goes three and six in the finals? And by the way, those titles, he needed help. He needed to team up with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Michael Jordan did it all by himself. Kobe Bryant did it all by himself. LeBron, you're a bitch. You couldn't even make the playoffs last year. LeBron, yeah. He's a, he, you know, he's more of a prima donna. He's more of like a, a Hollywood guy. You know, he, he may, and I get, I get he's athletically gifted, but in terms of when it really matters, when the game's on the line, when you really want to win, I would not give the ball to LeBron. I'd rather have the ball in Kobe's hands, Michael Jordan's hands. Who else? Let me think who I would put in front of him um, in terms of the lady. I would rather have it in Iverson's hands. I would rather have it in McGrady's hands. I, I mean, you know what? And I'm going to get a lot of shit for this. I don't care. Troll me on my Twitter all you want. I know there's a lot of sports fans that listen to this show, but there's a lot of people I'd rather have them take in the last shot than – Freaking LeBron James, I'll tell you that. And dude, the dude, the dude. I mean, have you have you seen him in, in late games? He's not he's not the clutchest player. He's. I mean, come on. And you know what? I'll tell you, this is only going to hurt the NBA and the NFL more and more. And NHL, the NHL owners even said they're losing money over it. They're losing a ton of money. And I I always say, go woke, go broke. That's how it is. That's how it is. You know, I want I want to say a few more things. Um, I'm getting to everybody tonight. I promise. Uh, first up is Eric Matheny, who's a very popular lawyer. We're going to get to him in one second. Um, here's what I'm tired of, though. So we have people like Oprah Winfrey and Michelle Smelly. I don't know what kind of creature. Obama. And, uh, you know, they're uh, using this whole race thing. They're using all this nonsense. They're using all this, you know, rhetoric to say that, oh, my God, we're, we're so oppressed. Our color, inequality, oh, I'm just going to play the – I'm just going to play the victim. I'm going to race bait. I'm going to try to get America to divide itself even more and more because that's always the last card in the book. Yeah. Hey, hey Michelle, you say white people don't acknowledge you? Well, actually, I'm, I'm just going to call you Big Mike. Let's just face it. I'm going to call you Big Mike because you know what? I mean, that Adam's apple, I'll tell you what, that Adam's apple is something else. Big Mike, you live in Martha's Vineyard, an $11 million mansion. You know what the population of white people there is? About 99%. So um, they have no choice but to acknowledge you. And um, I would never want to acknowledge you. I would not want to even get close to you. I don't want to smell you. I don't, want to, I, I don't want anything to do with that family. I, that family destroyed so many lives, so many people, and it, it's disgraceful. And all they can comment about is race, race, race. And Oprah, okay, Oprah, you're saying black people are oppressed? You're saying black people don't, you know, can't make it in America? Well, Oprah, don't forget your story. I, we all know where you came from, and it wasn't no rich suburbs. You came from the project. Much respect to you. You made a name for yourself. You became rich. You achieved the American dream. 
why aren't you trying to give that same phenomenal advice to other people rather than say they're stuck in a box because the color of their skin? I mean, get real, guys. Get real. Talk to people like they're human beings. We all bleed the same blood. It's out of control already. Um, I want to welcome to the show. Uh, We have uh, lawyer and popular talk show host, Eric Matheny. Eric, what's up, buddy? Rory, welcome to Freedom First Network. I want to be the first to congratulate you and welcome you to Freedom First. Great to have you. Thanks, buddy. Well, it's it's an honor to be uh, involved with your network. It's it's an honor, man. I, I love everything you're doing, and we got a lot you got a lot of business to do before uh, election day. This is no joke. You got it. It's, it's sixty days, nose to the grind. We've got our work cut out for us, and it's just it seems week to week. Uh, the time in between liberal atrocities is getting shorter and shorter. You know, I do my show every Saturday, and I tell my guests, I don't even know what we're going to talk about. We'll figure it out on Saturday morning because the world's going to change in the next five days. Yeah, I'll say. I'll say. I mean, and Eric, what do you – I mean, look at everything that's going on. I mean, look at the wimpy soy boy mayor in Portland. I mean, look at the guy. I mean, Trump has – you know, and, and everywhere. I mean, New York City, Chicago, um, you know, obviously Wisconsin's being dealt with, uh, but it's, it's just nonstop. And, and you know what? A lot of these Democrats are purposely denying help because they're worried about them losing their, their base. They're also worried about getting Trump credit. Um, and they, they don't, you know, they don't want to give them a W. Um, but, you know, it, it, and, and you know, now we've got the, the Portland mayor, um, I'll tell you, he, they're invading his house. They're, they're, they're burning the streets. The, the mayor wants to move now. I, I mean, it, it, it's constant hypocrisy. And you've got the mayor of Chicago who has armed guards at the door. You have uh, the mayor of New York who, who, you know, gets all his armed guards, mayor of D.C. And meanwhile, you know, they don't get – they let these terrorists, these assholes take over. And, and, there's, and there's nothing done about it, and they're really, you know, it's all about politics. It's partisan. Well, I, let, let me just say something about Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler. I think he gets a bad rap for being a weak beta male, and I don't really think he's that bad of a guy. In fact, I hear he gets up early in the morning just to make breakfast for his wife and her boyfriend. So let's cut him a little slack here. I think, I think he's okay <laughs> in that respect. Does he, hey, does he, does, he also watch, does he also watch them? During the night, no, I, I won't go. I won't. I, go. I don't know if he's uh, <laughs> if he subscribed he to uh, what's his name? School of, yeah, what? No, what's his name? Who's the guy from a Liberty University? Uh, Falwell Junior. I guess that's his bag. I, I don't judge. Yeah, I don't Falwell. Judge. Yeah, oh God, that came out last week. <laughs> that was. I mean, some of, some of the graphic stuff I read, I couldn't stop laughing. It's, you know, hey, to each their own. But the thing is, uh, you've you got to understand, Rory, that whether it's Lori Lightfoot or whether it's Ted Wheeler or whomever the liberal may be, radicalism is a tiger by the tail. And the Democrats want to be a big tent party. And that's really a euphemism for saying as many people as possible to keep power for as long as we can. They did that with illegal aliens. You know, they've kind of forgotten about illegal aliens. That was a big thing for a long time. And they're bringing the people here and making them citizens and giving them all the rights because they want a voter base. They know that they've lost middle America. They've lost blue collar America. So they're looking, they're hoping this part you know, of America dies out. And now with the help of BLM and Antifa, they're hoping to speed that process up. 
because now we're actually seeing violence against conservatives. But radicalism is a tiger by the tail. And when you open the door to radicalism, uh, that thing can turn around and bite you on your ass so quickly you're not going to know it was there. And that's what's happened with Ted Wheeler. Ted Wheeler uh, is trying to be their friend. He's trying to be woke. He's trying to be inclusive. Um, but at the end of the day, in the minds of these race-baiting uh, soldiers, he's a white boy, and he's expendable. And, you know, to hell with him, and they'll burn down his house, and he'll still stand out there and go, please like me, please like me. I mean, he's like that pathetic kid who's, like, tugging at your pant leg, you know, wanting to come play with you. And you're like, no, shoo. Um, what they need is force, and I wish that we weren't so constrained. I would like to see the National Guard march down the streets of Portland and crack every Antifa in their goddamn skull. Um, but we know the optics of that in an election year are not good. Look, you know, Rory, if, if Eric Matheny were emperor, things would be different. But again, we, this, is, this is an election year, and Donald Trump understands what's that he has to win re-election. Remember when Obama famously right. said to uh, Medvedev in uh, Russia, I'll have a lot more freedom after my next election? Oh, yeah. Ma- imagine if there, Trump there, said that. Imagine if Trump made that sort of remark. You'd never hear the end of it. No, but Rory, Obama was very honest in that moment. That's the, that's the reality of politics, is that you, you have to maintain your electability. You have to stay in office in order to do these things. I guarantee you, mark my words, record this interview, because I'm going to be right. When Donald Trump wins re-election, he's going to get to do all the things he didn't get to do because you're constrained in your first term because you've got to win a second term, which is why I've always been against re-election for presidents. I say give the president an eight-year term off the bat, and then we don't have to deal with this shit. Right, and, and let, let me tell you this. I mean, and, I, and we've talked about this before, Eric. I mean, 2020 is, is the craziest movie I've ever seen. I mean, it's nothing but graphic violence. I mean, you talk about insanity. I mean, they're throwing flamethrowers and, and grenades and Molotov cocktails at police officers. They're throwing them at police stations. They're burning down churches. I mean, it looks like third world Baghdad in some of these cities. And you know what? The politicians are allowing it, and they're not letting the cops do their jobs. And you're seeing all these cops resigning. You're seeing all these cops say, fuck this. I don't want anything to do with these people. I mean, you know what? And, and you, how do you, as an officer, how do you have, you know, just like getting bossed around like that? I can only imagine, you know, they get fed up with listening to these politicians. I mean, let them do what they were hired to do. I mean, they're there to protect us. These I mean, law, and law enforcement is the only reason America is so free among, uh, obviously, our military. Um, but I'll tell you what, and this whole defund the police, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, they've already started it in places like my home city of Seattle. I mean, and, you know, places like Portland, places like Minneapolis. I mean, we see what the message they're getting in Minneapolis to people on the street. I mean, if you're robbed, if you're, uh, uh, if you're approached by any criminal, just give up yourself. Uh, the cops give are not going to come for you. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and now, what about this? And, and I read over the weekend, over 100 calls to police from Portland were not able to be attended to because they're too busy with the riots and there's not enough police staff. Well, this is, this is only going to get worse. There's going to be more cops resigning if Democrats want to keep taking this route. And we see people like Joe Biden, 
who took so long to come out and condemn it and say it's wrong because he saw that his poll numbers were, were getting screwed and he saw that he was in big, big trouble. I mean, Joe Biden, I mean, it took him too long. I mean, he's already lost so many voters because of this. But like, as, as, a, as a lawyer, Eric, how can, how can these people keep getting bailed out every single time they commit one of these horrendous acts? I mean, we're talking sentences that could carry years and years in prison. But you see all these, poly, all these Hollywood people that are putting up money for them. I mean, it, it sends the wrong message morally and ethically. It's, it's backwards ideology. I mean, it's pretty much uh, enabling communi- communism at its finest fashion. And all these small businesses, I mean, some of these insurance companies won't, can't even uh, cover these small businesses that have been destroyed. And look at these idiots with Black Lives Matter. They're destroying their own communities. Why are you destroying your own communities? What does that solve? I mean, it's all over the place. And these, these politicians, you know, I don't know, I don't know what's next. Um, and, and, I, and I love how this is just humorous. The Portland mayor came out, and, he, and, he, and he's trying. He said days ago he didn't want the National Guard. But then he said earlier, I think it was today, he's like, well, um, I'll, I'll, do what I, I'll do what I can to work with the president, but, you know, uh, what, blah, blah, blah. He wanted to make it sound like he, he was making the choice rather than, it, rather than you know, um, acknowledging the fact that Trump has tried to help him all along. He, but he, the only thing he's saying is Trump, Trump's been divisive with him, which is – this is why politicians are so bad. They lie. The left lies constantly, and it's nothing but an anti-Trump war. I mean, and you know what? Where are these people getting their weapons? Where, where, why are they out there every night? I mean, so we know that it's unlimited cash. I mean, these people have more weapons uh, than certain military members. Yeah, um, we need to look into that. Uh, there needs to be a thorough investigation of where they're getting their funding. I mean, there was a photo I saw today uh, out here in South Florida of a, a number of buses, like these big buses, luxury buses. buses. Yes, you saw those, yeah. And think, of, think about how much those buses cost, Eric. They're, they're very expensive. I mean, this is not a cheap en- endeavor. This is a huge expense. Yeah, I don't know where they're getting their money from, and we got to figure it out. I mean, these these buses are. I mean, do you charter them? I mean, they're they're going to cost you a thousand bucks a day. So I don't know where they're getting that kind of money. I, I think we're going to find out. I think it's coming from Soros. I think it's coming through his organizations. But the bottom line is that, right. and as we speak here tonight, uh, right now uh, there's a rally, uh, possibly soon to be a riot, going on in Washington D.C. because it's alleged that the Washington D.C. police shot a black man with a gun. It seems like the goalpost for these police encounters keeps moving and moving. Well, he was unarmed. Oh, he had a knife. Well, knife isn't really being armed. Oh, he had a gun, but did he aim it? Oh, but did he shoot the cop? I mean, we're changing the the goalpost every single time, and pretty soon it's just going to be if the subject of the shooting is black, irrespective of the facts, we're going to riot. We're going to cause an issue. And and being a police officer, you got to understand that a lot of these cops – are young guys. I mean, these are guys in their 20s. They're making $46,000 a year. It's a job. Why, God's green earth, would you want to keep doing that? Go manage a Starbucks, make twice as much, and you're not going to be you know, risking your life. Every time these guys pull the trigger, now you mentioned something at the beginning of your show. You said something about Jacob Blake, that seven was excessive. I don't care if it's one shot or seven shots. 
cops are not shooting to wound. Cops are not trained, well, I'm just going to hit you just to show you I'm serious. They are trained to kill. He probably fired seven right. times because he was trying to kill the guy because the guy was reaching for a knife. And under any protocol of any department nationwide, that's going to be grounds to fire your weapon at someone. You're, you're within close range. He's got the knife in his hand. Now, what he may have been doing, the reason they found the knife on the floorboard is he may have been stashing the knife. The bottom line is he's armed. They see he's armed. And at that point, they're still not doing anything. They, they, have, they have grounds to shoot him there. They're not doing it. They're showing terrible restraint. Uh, they already fought the guy. They've already put the taser on him. Apparently, he ripped the prongs out or it didn't work. And he walks around to his car. He reaches in the car. He's already armed. They can't see what he's doing. He's a violent felon. First of all, mind you, all you feminists, all you Me Too people out there, do you know why Melly, the cops Melly were there? Smelly slews. I can't stand them. I can't stand them. Every time that word feminist gets brought up, I want to throw up. And I, oh, God, you just, you really just want to yank them by the neck. I mean, they're so hypocritical and so annoying and so ignorant and so uneducated. They need to focus on their hygiene as a main priority. Go ahead. Sorry about that. Well, no, no. The, the, the point I'm trying to make is that uh, where are the feminists? Because the reason that he was there, the whole, the whole narrative in the media right. was that, oh, right. he's, he's a good Samaritan. He was breaking up a fight between and women. And he was no, raping he a was, black woman. Where's Black Lives Matter? He was, at, he was at the home of his rape victim. She had a restraining order against him, and he was at the home, and she was calling the police for help. These white cops, these white devil racist cops who were out in the streets of Kenosha hunting down black men to kill because this is white supremacy, they went there. They risked their lives against a violent felon piece of shit like Jacob Blake and Drew Brees puts his name on his helmet. Might as well put Harvey Weinstein on his helmet. And they go over there. They risk their lives to protect the life of a black woman. And this guy, this thug, this piece of shit fights them, has a knife, goes in the car, and they shoot him. They shot him seven times. You know what? They shot yeah. to kill him, and they didn't. They're, they put him in a wheelchair. At least he'll never rape anybody again. It will be real easy to house him in prison. You put him on the first floor in the in the handicap ward. He'll be just fine. And these cops should get a medal. He's a you know the world is a better place without him. But you know who's still dead? Cannon Hinnett's still dead. David Dorn is still dead. Jessica Whitaker's still dead. We don't talk yeah. about them, do we? Because the narrative doesn't right. fit. Yeah, and and that's the problem. And you know what? I hope they cut. No, I, w- I won't go there. But you know what? I think any rapist should get their dick cut off. But that, that, that's, that's another, that's hey, a whole man, other topic. <laughs> but it, 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 no, it's true. It's true, though. I, I do believe that. Um, here, here's what I will say, though. Uh, by the way, I want, just want to mention real quick, Tyler Eifert, who I really look up to in the NFL, has agreed that he'll, he'll wear David Dorn in honor on his helmet. So at least somebody in the NFL is sticking up. I'm, you know, standing up. I'm pretty sure – uh, he is a uh, conservative. Obviously, he'll never talk about it. Uh, we saw yeah. Brian Urlacher. We saw Brian Urlacher come out the other day. Uh, he's actually my cousin. A lot of people don't know this, but my he dad's brother. Oh my god, I'm a huge yeah, fan, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. My dad's brother's sister is married to his uncle. So my aunt oh, is wow. married to Brian's uncle. Yeah. So it's pretty. It's pretty cool. Um, I've met Brian a few times. Very class that guy. Uh, uh, Christian values, very conservative, and we saw the comment he made. I mean, he was only sticking up for the police officer and using common sense. You know, what do you what do you think is going to happen to to a guy that resists arrest and, and you know is raping somebody and you know wants to be violent with cops? Of course, they're going to do something. And then the Chicago Bears come out with statements like, "We're going to distance ourselves from Brian Urlacher." They're they're pandering to BLM, and it's like. 
What happened to so? Also, another thing I want to go into. What happened to social disrolls? We're all for it, <laughs> but with these protests, with these freaking protests, they can all sweat on each other and breathe on each other, and literally, I mean, they're basically humping each other. They're all, they're all bond, side by side. I mean, you can't even move in those crowds. Rory, Rory, we are the victims of the greatest fraud ever perpetrated on humankind. COVID nineteen is the goal. is the greatest the fraud goal. in the they're history. Revised numbers. The revised numbers from yeah. the other day, less than 10,000 deaths. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and the, the remaining folks who, who passed away uh, were elderly, infirm, compromised immune systems, cancer, obesity, uh, a lot causes that would have contributed to their, to their death otherwise. Um, and, and to this day, I mean, and then watching the whole thing with Nancy Pelosi, which is just infuriating in and of itself, but we're all we're all being. Oh my God! Can you believe that immigrant? And then, can you believe her? I can believe it. Yeah, I can. I, I, nothing surprises me anymore. But you know, look. The bottom line is that the the cure was worse than the disease. Uh, take the masks off. Stop the social distancing. Just stop. Let's just go back to normal. No new normal. I, I swear to God, if I hear that again, I'm going to blow my fuse. No new normal. Go back to the old normal. February of 2020. Let's go back in time. Let's go back in time to that era where I could walk into a restaurant and not go, oops, I don't have my mask. I better go put that on. Uh, I, like, I just, I just want to go back to life because as we've seen, there was no benefit to doing this lockdown other than devastation to the economy. And granted, the economy's come back, and granted, we're going to have record high Dow probably tomorrow. You still have a lot of businesses that are not coming back. And I always say this with, with my co-host, Bob Dunlap, who's a former investment banker. He's, he's got a history in investment. Um, he'll tell you, and, and I agree with him, is that the stock market is not a great indicator of economic health. It's a good indicator how these major corporations are doing. I mean, we know that Jeff Bezos made like $80 billion during the lockdown, but you still have mom and pop people that are owning salons, bars, things like that, that are, are never coming back. So just because the, the, the stock market may be at 29,000 doesn't mean it's really trickling down and affecting, you know, people in the heartland of America. So we still have a lot of work to do on the economic front. And, and I want to, I want to, I want to ask you this couple of things. First of all, with the Pelosi thing, she claims, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. Of course you knew, bitch. And then, she, then the guy <laughs> turned her in, which I loved even more. I loved how the, the, the hair, whoever owned the hair salon uh, turned over the tapes, and we're going to have a guy on tomorrow who actually uh, has been an Uber driver for that hair salon owner many times, and he told the story uh, to, the, to, to the guy we're having on tomorrow. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious because um, – I mean, think about do as I say, not as I do. I mean, this, this woman, she's all over the place. I mean, she, she's drunk every second. Uh, and, and I'll tell you something. It's all about control with these masks. That's all it's ever been about. You know, you go into a restaurant, and once you get to your table, you can walk it up. You can take it off. What's the point of walking a couple hundred feet and then taking off a mask? I just – these people are out of their minds. They, they really are. And, and I want to ask you um, – from a legal standpoint, I mean, it's totally against the Constitution. I mean, it totally is. How can you force anybody to do anything? And we have to see these videos of, you know, uh, employees of stores trying to be the, you know, uh, these guilty, uh, these power trippers and, and trying to uh, make all these pe- – you know what I mean? I mean, we got all these people abusing their power no. and trying to think like, – like, the, like these Walmart workers thinking they're tough shit. Telling somebody you put on your mask, sir. Put on your mask, sir. Hey, hey, how about you come here? How about I shove that mask up nowhere? 
Rory, it's a measure of power. Come on, everybody likes a little measure of power. Remember back in school, you know, the hall monitor thought they were big shit. So hey, it's just human nature. I mean, it, you know, remember the Stanford experiment with the prison guards and the prisoners, and the prison guards got totally sadistic. It's just our nature. It's our nature to glom onto like any little inkling of power you have. That's where the whole Karen thing comes from. You got these bored, unfucked housewives that go out and they go, "Oh my God, you're not wearing a mask. I can feel something. I can feel power in my otherwise empty life." And that's just where we are. At, as as humanity, that's just our our basic yeah. uh, you know evolutionary mechanism. But I you know what we're experiencing right now is purely Orwellian. All animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. Hence Pelosi. The rules don't apply to people like Pelosi and to Dr. Fauci and Andrew Cuomo, who's out walking his dog without the mask, and two minutes later he's telling everyone to wear a mask. Give Dr. Fauci the baseball game. He's got his mask pulled down. You got come on, man. I mean, it, this is this is socialism in action. You know, this is how it works. Look at Cuba. Look at Venezuela. You know why there's no middle class? Because you have a huge poor class and then everybody else at the top. It's true. It's absolutely true. And, and before you go, I want to ask you about two things, because uh, you're a lawyer. First off, talk about the Kyle Rittenhouse situation. I, I, I know there's stipulation. I know there's laws crossing state lines. I mean, I mean, what are you going to do, though? I mean, the guy was looking out for a lot of other people. And that's really, if, the, if, the, if this Democrat agenda with defunding the police keeps uh, going forward, uh, we're not going to have a choice but to help each other out. And uh, America, Americans are going to have to come together. Well, dude, if the left wants a civil war, I mean, are we going to, like, you know, have an issue every time a casualty occurs? I mean, this is war, isn't it? You know, there's going to be some on that side and some on this side. I mean, look, the bottom line is that, and I'm speaking a little facetiously, um, Kyle Rittenhouse, from a pure self-defense perspective, and as a criminal defense attorney, I love self-defense cases because i trained in martial arts and I'm, you know, avid gun owner and shooter. And I just enjoy that. It's just appeals to me. Um, I've seen a lot of self-defense. I've seen good self-defense and I've seen bad self-defense. Um, this is, is it, a case is it where, a tough, is, it a tough, is it a tough case for him to, to avoid prison? No, no, not at all. In fact, I, uh, I think the toughest thing he's going to be dealing with is the politics of it all. If Kyle Rittenhouse were some no name guy, and he got into an altercation with a group of people down here where I practice in South Florida, and he came and hired me, I'd probably have the case that's called no info or no action, meaning before the prosecutor either indicts or files information, they dismiss it. They say, I'm not going to take this before a grand jury or I'm not going to file an information. Prosecutors in, in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, have already filed an information or charging document, uh, charging him with offenses. I don't know if they have to take it to a grand jury later, how they do it in Wisconsin. But the bottom line is he's already been charged with a number of very serious crimes. He's looking at spending the rest of his life in prison. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, um, that case should be a clinic in self-defense. Um, not only are his attackers armed, he's being attacked by multiple attackers. He's also a 17-year-old kid, and one of the things we consider in self-defense, because self-defense is through the perspective of the person who uses it, uh, is was it reasonable? And uh, you have to consider also the capabilities, the experience of the attackers. So he's a 17-year-old kid, uh, a child for all intents and purposes, being pursued by, you know, I think one of the guys was 26, one of the other guys was older than that. These are grown men who are attacking him, even a multitude of grown men. There's a saying that goes, more than one, bring a gun. Uh, you know, I don't care how tough you are. I don't care how much you know of martial arts. Three-on-one, four-on-one, I don't care if you're the toughest guy in the world. You're not going to be able to do it. 
So the gun is the great equalizer. And you have to also look at the video in terms of how much discipline he showed. Not only is he a great shot, that first shot he took where he blew the guy's elbow off, that was a beautifully timed shot. And it looked like he was actually (laughs) trying to shoot the gun out of the guy's hands. But if you watch the video, first of all, he's seated. They've already come at him with a skateboard to clobber him on the head. Now, I used to be a skateboarder in middle school, believe it or not, kind of embarrassing period of my life. I wasn't very good. But those things are heavy. I think we all were at one point. And they got these big metal trucks and wheels on them, and you whack someone in the head hard enough, you can kill them. Um, And especially the way a skateboard is, uh, the way it's shaped and where the weight kind of falls on it, you hit someone hard enough, it's like being hit with a sword on the skull. It could split your skull like a watermelon and you could die. So that could have killed him. The other guy who was shot in the elbow had a pistol in his hand. You can clearly see it in the video. Uh, it is aimed at him. Kyle just got the drop on him and looked and shot him in the elbow. Could have shot and killed the guy. Um, and then he's being pursued. Something's thrown at him. Uh, the perception that he's under attack, it's a constant vicious assault by multiple attackers. He did everything yeah. right by the book, disciplined. Uh, Kyle has my full support. I have been in contact with his legal team. I've been in contact with Michelle Malkin. I've thrown my hat into the ring, said, whatever you guys need, I'm here to help. Uh, even though he's got some great, great lawyers uh, and a lot of support behind him. I anticipate an acquittal because it's going to go to trial, and I don't think the judge is going to dismiss it. It's going to let a jury decide. I anticipate an acquittal. You're going to have riots because that's what the left likes to do. Uh, And then I think Kyle Rittenhouse should turn around and sue the crap out of everyone who calls him a white supremacist because I see no evidence anywhere of race, not one bit. And you have – What's her name? Uh, Ayanna Presley calling him a white supremacist. You have people uh, in power calling him a white supremacist. CNN, uh, you know, maybe he'll be the next, uh, you know, what's his name? Sandman who goes and gets, you know, $250 million or whatever he got. No, I hear you. Amen. Amen. No, I agree. I agree. And Eric, I love having you on as always. Uh, Tell everybody where they can connect with you and all that good stuff. Well, thank you so much, Rory. I always love coming on your show. And, guys, Rory's coming on my show on September 12th. That's noon Eastern time. Bob and Eric Save America. We're with Freedom First Network. Uh, You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We also stream on Periscope every Saturday, 12 noon Eastern, Facebook Live and YouTube. And follow me on Twitter at Eric M. Mathibi. Absolutely, Eric. And uh, I'm really honored and grateful uh, joining your network. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. This uh, and great interview, too, man. We talked about, talk about a lot of great stuff. Can't wait to have you on, Rory. Thank you, as always, for having me on your show. I'm a big fan of yours. Thank you, buddy. Always a pleasure. God bless. God bless. I want to go to um, retired uh, NYPD officer and lawyer um, Joe Murray. My friend, how are you? Hey, Rory, how you doing? Oh, wow, that was a great interview. I really, uh, I, I thought it was compelling, and I agree with his assessment. I think that Rittenhouse case is just ridiculous. I mean, that video, you know, the video is just so clear. And when you talk about self-defense, you know, myself as a criminal defense attorney, I practiced it. I also had to defend myself as a police officer. I was arrested for an excessive use of force. So it's something I had to, to learn and and be uh, you, never, you know proficient. You never told me about that. What happened? When what? When and, and where and and what? Oh, tell, tell us, early tell on in my career. Early on in my career, it, it was actually another officer, believe it or not, uh, who arrested a friend of mine, handcuffed him, smacked him around, and then I went to the precinct to talk to him about the circumstances of the arrest. This is in Manhattan, the 10th precinct. 
And uh, at the time, I was a heavyweight for the police boxing team, and uh, I was in pretty good shape back then. However, this detective, uh, you know, there were some detectives that looked down on police officers, and he just kind of looked at me with disdain. How dare you question me about the manner in which I conducted my arrest? And so uh, words uh, escalated, push came to shove. He threw a punch at me. I'm a little better at it than he is, and uh, I broke his jaw. So uh, because I was on the boxing team and I was, you know, in the precinct discussing this arrest with this detective, they said it was excessive force. And I got arrested, put through the system. I'm one of the, the, the very few NYPD officers who were arrested in uniform and put through the system on duty. Uh, but I testified at the grand jury, again, talking about the subjective, objective test. It's, it's, it's a, a reasonableness test, but it's a reasonable officer in the situation that they're in with the threat that's presented. Uh, so I testified, he testified, the grand jury heard both of us, were both police officers, and they decided to dismiss, uh, found that I acted in self-defense, and it was justifiable, the amount of force I used. So, but to make a long story short, I I, uh, I had uh, been charged with department charges, and I had Bruce Cutler uh, help me out with that, and we ended up with a no-low contendere plea because the police department uh, prosecution is essentially a kangaroo court. So I, I took a no-low plea because he sued me for a million dollars. And uh, it took eight years to finally go to trial. But after having, I had two criminal lawyers. I had three civil firms represent me. I had a criminal lawyer, civil lawyer, divorce lawyer. I was broke. By the time eight years came around, I had no more money. I had to represent myself. So I only had a high school diploma when I joined the police department. And uh, I had just started college in, in 2000. And uh, I represented myself in Manhattan Supreme Court, two-week trial, picked a jury, nine witnesses. Nobody knew that case better than I did. I testified and uh, came back with a defense verdict. The judge, Supreme Court Judge Joan Madden, she's the one that called me up afterwards and said, Officer Murray did an amazing job at this trial. You should go to law school. And sure enough, that's, that's how I ended up in law school. So uh, I really am sensitive to these use of force things and, and you know, in defending people, um, you know, I believe it's, it's, it's your right to defend yourself. It's your right as a citizen, as a police officer, anyone to defend themselves. And even, you know, the Jacob, you know, uh, I, I heard you mention that the seven shots was excessive and you got to think about it. It's not TV. It's not movies. You know, police officers were trained and were trained to shoot until the threat is terminated. So if he had a knife or he's reaching for something else or he's trying to hurt somebody, uh, you keep firing until that threat is no longer there. Whether it's two shots, 10 shots, 15 shots. You may recall back, uh, I, I think I it was 2000. No, I, 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 agree. I agree with you, Joe. I, I, I just said... What I said earlier, I want, I want to kind of correct correct my statement. I, I said I – what I did say, I may – I said it may have been a little excessive. I didn't say necessarily it was. 
you know, I, I, I wasn't there, though. So, I, you know, I can't, but, I can't well, say either that, way. That's a great point. I mean, today, you know, we all focus on the instant gratification of video, like whatever video. And we're making decisions exactly. about cases on video. And it's like clips. a 30-second clip, video so we clips. can't really analyze the entirety of the situation. You know, it's hard. Exactly. And you usually don't get all the video. You get the most, uh, you know, uh, compelling video that shows uh, the most egregious circumstances. Uh, initially, yeah. right, all we saw was yeah. the driver's side of the vehicle. Then all of a sudden we saw the, the passenger side. It was a different story. So, But we're in this, you know, rush for instant gratification. There has to be instant uh, decision-making. And I'm shocked to see this where so many police officers and, and, and even civilians that are being locked up and it's so hypocritical because we had this whole big awakening and decarceration and how Black Lives Matter is advocating. We closed Rikers Island. We're, we're, we're releasing people from prison, bail reform. But wait a second. Somebody on the right or a police officer or, you know, a citizen activist who's defending property, no, they have to go and pre pre-conviction, uh, uh, pre-trial detainment is necessary and is proper. It's just so hypocritical. I can't understand this. You know, it's one way or the other. And, you know, the purpose of bail is to make sure somebody comes back to court. So in a case like that, I don't see any reason for this guy to flee. He has a, an army of a defense team and, and wide support. He's so widely recognizable. He's not going to flee. So, you know, like, uh, it's just alarming, you know, to see the hypocrisy that takes place in this country. It is. It is, Joe. And, I mean, look at New York City. I mean, I, I just saw over the weekend over 1,000 shootings. Over Wait, no. not. Yeah. I don't think it was over the weekend. My bad. It wasn't over the weekend. I think it was, no, it's this year. My, my bad. I read the, the article from the New York Post. It was this, in, this year alone. There's been, what, 1,000 shootings? I, I think I read that right. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, we hit that milestone, and it's something I and thought was here's gone. here's another thing. Look at, the Look at all the U-Hauls. I saw a video over the weekend. People are fleeing New <laughs> York City in packs. The U-Hauls were yeah. lines around the block because of, you know, of the crime, because of, of the lack you're of right. business. It's the crime. It's the lack of uh, ability to work. I mean, they're destroying the – the bars and restaurants, you know, they can't open, gyms can't open, you know, it's just, it's terrible what's really happening here. They really are decimating the population, and that's why they're fleeing. They're going to, to greener pastures where they're not so restricted and controlled, and also the public safety. The public safety is number one. I mean, that has to be. I remember I joined the police department in 1987, and it was a disaster. It was the crack epidemic. There was so much street crime and quality of life. It was a disaster. We actually had, under Mayor Dinkins, another not not very supportive mayor of ours, we had the Thompson Square Park rise. Well, actually, that Thompson Square Park rise was the end of Koch. And then we had the Crown Heights riots and the Washington Heights riots and, and civil unrest. It was terrible. But thankfully, we had a good, strong, former prosecutor, lawman come in, like Mayor Giuliani, and he just picked the right people. He had a great team. 
Bill Bratton. Bratton, the first time he came here, was a great commissioner. Jack Maple, the broken windows theory, that works. It happened to work very well. So they were able to change that. So that's what we're looking at now. We've, we're swinging back the other way where crime is, is, is starting to, to skyrocket. I, I don't even want to say creep back. We're nowhere near where we were in, in the height of the, the early 90s, but we're going there. And the, the policies that are being initiated by, by the mayor, the governor, even these district attorneys, it's horrible. They're not even prosecuting the, these cases. You know, they're giving them such uh, sweet deals. They're not even asking for bail on, on certain cases that they can ask for bail, uh, on the rare cases they can. But uh, we really need some change here. And I'm so happy to report that there are so many people coming together now who are still here and, and willing to fight. I have so many Democrats come up to me and say, hey, Joe, listen, don't say anything, but I'm definitely voting for Trump. I mean, this is crazy what's going on. And I think every time we have a riot, a fire, an attack, you know, any of these shootings, people are just realizing that we need law and order. We need a guy like Trump. We need more Republican. This one-party rule is just destroying this city and state. So uh, I'm very happy to report. I, I know you had him on the show once before. I'd love for you to get him back. John Cummings, last weekend we were in the Bronx. Uh, there was a, 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 a march that we had in support of police, and we're, we're walking through the Bronx, and it was so encouraging because John is running against AOC, and she's got this national persona. The left loves her. In reality, the people in the district don't love her. They don't. She won her primary. But I got to tell you, it was so encouraging because I'm walking down a pro-police march through the Bronx, through the 45th Precinct, and I see John Cummings signs in the local storefronts. People are running outside who, who nobody knew about it, but they're coming outside and approaching John. It was a kid that came by. I posted a video of it. A kid that drove by on a bicycle John's been a high school teacher in the district for 22 years. He has such grassroots support there for the local, you know, kids and and who are 22 years. They're adults now. A lot of them have have moved on, and uh, some of them are police officers. But he has such grassroots support, and to see it, I saw people as we marched by who recognized him and said, hey, Cummings, Mr. Cummings, we're supporting you. And then this kid drove up on his bicycle, and he walked with us, you know, with his bicycle, one of his former students. It was just so nice to see the people, the community, come out and support a guy like John. So, you know, we, we have, I'm working with um, Ed Mullins from the uh, SBA, the Sergeant's Benevolent Association, the NYPD. Ed Mullins is a great labor leader. I'd love to get him on your show. And he started this uh, media platform, Inside Blue 360, giving a voice to law enforcement. And But a 360 view, it's a, it's a fair view. So we, we interviewed John Cummings. Ed and I brought him in, and we interviewed him, and, and he did a great job. And we offered for AOC to come in, give her equal time, let her talk about all the accomplishments that, that she feels are, are important, that she helped her district <laughs> with. I can't think of any, but I'll give her an opportunity to do so. Uh, and then we even offered to sponsor a debate between the two of them because, you know, as we get closer to the election, 
the people should know and should be able to see people debate. And, and oddly enough, you know, in spite of her national persona and as she loves to speak out and she spoke at the, at the convention, she's afraid of John. For some reason, she's not willing to sit down with John, maybe because he's been a high school civics teacher, a history teacher for 22 years and knows something about the law and democracy and the Constitution. It might scare her. I, I don't know what it is, but we'd really love to have her come in and let the actual district voters see the two of them head-to-head against each other. I think you're going to see a big change this year. There are a lot of people that are waking up and looking towards the Republican Party that haven't looked at the party in a long time and seeing people like John Cummings. He's three years old. He's running for office the first time. He's not a career politician. He's been a public servant, a police officer, a school teacher. So I love it. I have another guy, a good friend of mine, George Santos. He's running for Congress in my district. So I'm supporting the heck out of him. He's running against Tom Swazi who's just been so flat. He's been silent. A lot of these defunding the police issues. He's not advocating for the people or the district. So I think that's another one that, that has a very good chance of, of flipping. So we're really doing good here. I think with the, the groundswell of support that's coming out because they're so fed up. You know, I talked about last time that Scott Lobato, the Patriot artist, that guy is so inspiring. We had this protest down at, at city hall park, so many people came out, a lot of restaurateurs, because we had the mayor announce that he has no plan whatsoever as to how to get yeah. indoor dining going again. So, you know, they were so frustrated. And here, you know, it's so sad to to hear one of the restaurateurs speaking that his restaurants have served up 125,000 meals during this COVID pandemic. And now the least we can do is allow the guy to work, and we can't do that. And he's in danger of now losing his business. It's just terrible. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you what, um, uh, Joe, New York City is something else right now. Uh, I read a poll recently. It said only 8% of people are back at work, only 8%. It's insane, Joe. And, And, Joe, I want you to stay with us. Um, I love talking to you, and I, I want to ask you a legal question, a legal question later in the show. Uh, but tell everybody where they can connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. I love the show, Rory, and thanks for inviting me on. It's always good to talk and hear your your uh, cast of uh, all star cast that you have tonight. So I appreciate it. But uh, yeah, Joe Murray Law on Twitter, Joe Murray on Facebook. Uh, I actually have a website for my firm. It's it's a uh, J-M-U-R-R-A-Y, jmurray-law.com. You can read more about me, but feel free to contact me. I, I, I love talking to people about these issues, and uh, I, I love trying to gain support and, and try to take our country back. That's what it's all about. I met so many wonderful patriots. This is so great. I love doing what we do, so I appreciate it, and I'll be hanging on. Excellent, excellent, man. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I want to welcome to the show, I believe he's with us, uh, we have Second Amendment, Second Amendment expert Dan Watts. Dan, are you with us? Hey, Rory, I'm here. How are you? Dan, good good to hear from you, man. It's been a while. Hey, how, how's it's that? been a while. What's how's new? it going, man? Uh, doing really good, man. It's really good to hear your voice. 
Um, I, I have obviously haven't talked to you in months. Uh, give us the 411 though. What's new? What's new in your life? How's everything going? I see you, you've been up to a lot of great activism work. Well, yeah, I've been doing a lot of stuff. I've been writing for a lot of publications, uh, primarily Ammo Land and doing stuff for Reactionary Times and, and, and just tons of, uh, boy, just a lot of different publications I've been writing for. They've been picking up my articles, so I've been really appreciative of that. Uh, the third Good Gun, Bad Guy book has been released, um, exposing anti-gun politics. I'm really proud of that. Uh, I've got a show called Good Gun, Bad Guy Radio. Uh, goodgunbadguyradio.com, and uh, speaking at the uh, Gun Rights Policy Conference 2020 this year, and also the AMCON uh, conference. I'm also going up to going down to Florida for a, a for a for a, a big uh, you know conference type thing. Uh, so lots of national stuff. Even though we're in the uh, in the COVID uh, you know the whatever you want to call it the the yeah, scare yeah. I call it the, the big COVID scare. Oh no! Look out! It's coming to get you. Um, even though we're in that, I'm still doing some traveling. Still doing a lot of stuff. So uh, really, uh, really, just having a, having a good time. It's good. It's all good. And we're, and we're you know it. we're fighting for gun rights and and we're and we're we're doing our best to to make people aware of the uh, of the anti-gun left. And, and Dan, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. It's really scary right now in our world for many reasons. I mean, I, I just read today, and with what we're currently facing, I mean, you know, if the Democrats take over, uh, we're all going to be in harm's way. We're all going to have to fend for ourselves. We're all going to have to, you know, um, have guns uh, because it, it's. There was a report that uh, there's a firm that's connected with Biden that won a $35 million contract for mail-in voting. Um, and I, I don't – you know what, dude? And all these Democrats, what they're up to, it's scary, man. I mean, if they, if they get in there, Second Amendment's gone. Um, all our rights are gone. They're going to go – they're going to do everything they can to go against the Constitution on every policy. They're going to put communism in place. I mean, what do you think about everything that's transpiring? I mean – this is obviously the most important election of our lifetime, and we, we can't deny that. I mean, this is the most pivotal. This is the most important. We've got a lot on the line here, and it's going to really dictate and, uh, uh, you know, basically um, be the, the, fu- the future. I mean, think about all the judges that Trump can get appointed if he gets reelected. Think about everything that's at stake, at stake here. Yeah, it really is a- – Really is a, a very important time. I mean, we we say this all the time, but this uh, this one really is. Um, they're going to cheat. We, we know they're going to cheat um, because yep. the, the, they wouldn't be pushing for the mail-in ballots so hard if they didn't want to cheat. Um, the the right. thing is, I was uh, I was in a motor vehicle this uh, t- this morning, and you know, of course, it, it, there's mask mandates up here in New York, but I don't pay any attention to it. And you know, I walked in without a mask, and I went up to the to the counter and the the girl started doing my transaction or registering a, a registering a vehicle and um she was talking taking my paperwork and you know she didn't notice I wasn't wearing a mask until 3 quarters of the way through and we got talking about it and she said she's really uh she's really disappointed she's really scared she's really frustrated um because of all the stuff that's going down and you know, we kind of had a really kind of heart-to-heart conversation. It's weird in motor vehicle, but um, it gave me a sense that people, real people, are have had enough 
of the Democrats. And especially up here in New York, we're dealing with Governor Cuomo, and uh, he's just a tyrant. He's a horrible tyrant. One of the worst governors in the history of politics. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and the thing is, I guess the point that I'm getting to is that um, the, as he tries to crush the spirit of people up here in New York, and that's really what the Democrats are doing. They're trying to crush the spirit of America. And they, they, I guess they think that by doing that, they'll have more leverage over over them and, and more uh, more possibility of gaining votes and, and going getting back into power. So crushing the spirit, the American spirit is is top on their high on their priority list. However, what's happening? And this woman told me she said every night people every day at work people get so mad at me and and they're, they're yelling at me because of the mask and all this stuff and it's very very frustrating. She says I go after I leave here the motor vehicle department every day I go in my car and I cry she said and and I was like oh my god this is really bad stuff that's happening the 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 psychology of people is really being hurt um and but then she said I hope that president trump wins she said I'm going to go out there and vote for president trump and she said you know she, she so basically what's happening I think is that although the Democrats are trying to crush the spirit of Americans, what they're doing is they're empowering people because people we're stronger than that, and I think people are rising up. I think you're going to see a wave of trump voters that that you wouldn't imagine. And that's my hope, and that's what I think because that's what I'm getting from the people I talk to. The people who are voting for Biden are misled. They're angry, and they're and I don't know that they have that passion that the Trump supporters have. I think they're desperate, but I don't think they're passionate. So, um, so I think that would be a bit of good news from what I see, just from talking to people. No, absolutely, and you know what? Speaking of what you just mentioned, uh, there was a new uh, article out the other day. There's 5 million new gun owner, first-time gun buyers in just yeah. 2020 alone, and when we still have yeah. all this time left this year. I mean, people, people aren't taking any chances. Well, you know, that's the thing that the riots brought us. The Democrat-funded riots brought us a, a, a new type of fear. And what happens is they've turned former anti-gun people or former non-gun owners into gun owners. So gun sales have more than doubled in some parts of the country, but but primarily have doubled on an average nationwide uh, from this time last year. And what they found was that 40% of those new gun purchases, uh, 40% of those gun purchases were new gun buyers. In other words, people who've never owned guns before. So that tells us that people who previously hadn't owned guns are starting to look at guns for uh, self-defense because they're concerned. I mean, these people in Seattle and Portland and some of these other cities, New York, they can't go out of their apartments without the fear of, of being killed or mugged or attacked or part of a, part of a riot. Um, so so they're, they're, they're learning about guns and they're buying guns, and hopefully uh, they will start supporting our Second Amendment. Yeah, absolutely. No, 100%. And, and, and I'll tell you something. Uh, when you have 5 million first-time gun owners and it's, we still have half the year left, 
I mean, that's beyond impressive. That's beyond impressive. Uh, And and it just goes to show that, I mean, people, you know, most people in their lifetime have never witnessed uh, violence or riots or anything to this degree. I mean, this is worse in a lot of ways than the 60s from what I've seen on old footage and what, from what I've read, I mean, they're burning down churches. They're burning down buildings. They're going after police. I mean, they're, they're doing whatever they can get away with. And the leftist politicians just condone it, enable it. They think these divisive tactics are going to help them. Then they want to blame it on Trump. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, now they're blaming it on Trump past few days. They changed their narrative and now, before they were ignoring it, now they've decided that it's not going to, it's not helping them to ignore it. Uh, so they're going to try to blame it on Trump. It's, it's, they're really sick people. They, they really are. But the problem is, we always we want to cut the head of the snake. We want to cut off the head of the snake. We want to find out who's at the core of all these riots. Who's bussing them in? Who's putting them up in hotels? Who's giving them frozen water bottles and bricks and all that other stuff? Who's funding all that? Because that's a lot of money. And, you, and, and a lot of the same people that show up at these riots are from the previous riot in another part of the country. So they're being shipped around. And the good news is that Rand Paul uh, just recently called for subpoenas uh, to all Antifa and, and any supporters. And, and so they're really going to start looking into who's funding these groups, these riots, and these terrorists, and these anarchists. So who knows? With any luck, maybe we'll get to the source of it and uh, not only stop it, but hopefully we'll see some indictments of people uh, that, are, that are funding this, this, these riots. Absolutely. And i got to ask you the question that's on everybody's mind. I mean, we, nobody, everybody is discussing it. Nobody can stop talking about it. Kyle Rittenhouse, I mean, he's the face of headline news. I mean, you're, you're an expert in the Second Amendment situation for many years. You've written many columns about it. You've written many articles, many books. Uh, you've done many different interviews in regards to this realm. Uh, you're, you know, you've encountered these situations yourself, which is why you, you know, uh, can, can relate uh, to somebody like him. Well, I just got done um... – Kind of discussing it with Eric Pratt from Gun Owners of America. You know, I do a lot of uh, a lot of uh, work with with Gun Owners of America. I represent and, and kind of speak speak on on their behalf on a lot of things, and um, do a lot of videos for them and things like that. So, uh, Gun Owners of America is getting behind uh, Kyle, and I'm not sure exactly legislatively what they're doing. I'm about to find out more in the next day or two, um, but. They wouldn't get behind Kyle Rittenhouse if he wasn't, first of all, innocent, and if you know, if if it wasn't a good cause. Um, and the cause is good; it's just and it's valid, and it's and um, and Kyle deserves to have the support of some of the big uh, pro-gun, you know, gun rights organizations. So, um, what he did clearly to me was self-defense. He was there defending. Uh, first of all, protecting a business because the cops were unable to or they were called down or whatever the case was. And uh, he got chased and he got attacked and and he pulled the trigger a few times and he took out the bad guys. Um, I, I, From my perspective, I don't see anything wrong with that. To me, that's a patriot. That's what a good American should do. You kill the bad guys. 
And when they're trying to kill you and when they're trying to burn down businesses and when they're trying to hurt people, they don't, they don't deserve to, to be able to do that stuff. They, you know, in self-defense, that's why we have our Second Amendment. So this kid, this 17-year-old kid who has uh, you-know-what's bigger than, than most of us, He's out yeah. there protecting property, and uh, it, it made me proud. And it reminded me that this 17-year-old kid was representative in a lot of ways of of the, the, the young men who fought our Revolutionary War. Some of those kids were even younger than that. And so it, it shows me that patriotism um, lives in in people that we would we would not expect i was surprised but then i thought about it i'm like man this kid really is a he's an honest uh he, he's a true patriot and i was proud to see it so so i stand behind him we're going to be doing some work uh uh to to promote his his cause and to show the 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 world what a patriot he was so look out for some of that stuff that i'll be involved with um but uh, yeah, it was self-defense, and uh, if you if you're going to try to hurt people like that, and you're going to try to kill and riot and and burn down buildings, well, then um, then you're you're subjecting yourself to a defensive uh, uh, gun owner. Absolutely, no, I agree 100. percent And as I was talking with my prior guest, um, the, you know, this as crazy as this may sound, I mean, we're we're living in an alternate universe. We're living in a different world. I mean, eventually, if, if the Democrats get their way, I mean, for some odd reason, this, this is how it's going to be. We're going to have to fend for ourselves. I mean, because they, they want to defund the police. I mean, what, what, what's the other option? I mean, the only thing I can think of is American citizens are going to have to get together and, and, and you know, uh, you go against the, the evil, the evil in our country. Because there's so much of it. I mean, we see so many innocent lives, you know, being destroyed. I mean, it, it's really hard to watch. And cops can't even do their jobs properly. Yeah, I know. And I, and I, I hope there's no – I hope we don't have a civil war of sorts because of that. Um, but, you know, I always, we always talk about the civil war coming. And, you know, I really, I really hope – we don't want that. We really don't want that. But the left provokes it every step of the way. And um, it's almost inevitable at this point. So I hope uh, Trump wins. I don't think we should get too confident. I think we should always be feel like we're a little bit behind the, you know, be, behind the the game a little bit, uh, and so we can get out there and and con, you know you know help bring out other people who uh, our family members and our friends and people who we want to get out to vote and encourage them to vote Republican. Because um, it really is important. Because plus they're going to they're going to cheat on us. They're, there's going to be tens of thousands of votes that don't belong there on the Democrat side, and we have to be able to counter that. And then you know even if President Trump does win, they're going to take it to court, and they're probably going to fight it, and they're going to have ballots coming in long after November third. Um, so there's going to be all sorts of you know, stuff going on there with the votes that we don't even, we're probably, stuff we probably can't even think of that they got up their sleeve. So we have to be on our toes with this one. I agree. Dan, I agree 100%. Um, I love having you on. I know it's late there. I know, I know you got a lot going on. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, let's definitely have you back soon, though. I tell everybody where they can connect with you and get involved. Uh, you can find me at Good Gun Bad Guy. 
com or goodgunbadguy.net. My name is Dan Wass. Last name is W-O-S. I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Parler. Um, or just search Good Gun Bad Guy. Um, doing all sorts of stuff out there. So, um, and, and Rory, thank you. You're doing a great job. Keep up the great work. And I love being on your show. So let's definitely keep in touch. Really appreciate what you're doing. Absolutely, my friend. God bless you. And I'm, I'm a big fan of yours. And uh, uh, keep up, you know, all the great work. You're really, you're really making a huge difference. And uh, you're waking up people to the truth. And, and I, and I, well, I just praise you for that. So, I, 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 you know, it's such, such amazing stuff. Well, thanks, pal. I really appreciate that. All right, man. We'll talk soon. God bless. Talk soon. You too. Bye-bye. I want to welcome to the show. Very popular guy. He's a best-selling author, and he just wrote a book about Jeffrey Epstein. And I can't wait to talk to this guy. I mean, I've got so many questions, and I believe he's with us right now, Dylan Howard. How are you? Welcome to the Rory Sodder Show. It's good to be with you, Rory. Absolutely, Dylan. Your first time on. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I uh, obviously have a deep, thick Brooklyn accent, uh, as you can tell. I love no, it. No, I'm joking. New York, was, baby. Uh, New York. Born... I love it. <laughs> I was born in Australia and uh, moved to the United States 12 years ago. Um, and up until recently, uh, was, uh, in a senior role at, uh, uh, a major magazine publisher and, um, have decided that, you know, the time is right having authored a number of books and, uh, and the such to, 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 to enjoy greener pastures. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, 100%. So, so, so you know, let's get, let's get into this. Obviously, you, you wrote a best-selling book that is doing very well. Um, you know, I, I read I read a little of it. I didn't read it all, but I got through like halfway. And you know, there's obviously lots of questions. There's lots of curiosity. There's lots of mystery. There's lots of things that uh, people are angry about. I mean, there's no way he killed himself. Uh, so many um, false flags, including the cameras going out in the, in the prison, uh, in his cell, uh, the guards falling asleep. Um, it goes on and on. I mean, he, he was, and he was like, what, like the first, the, the only inmate to die in, in like 50 years or something, or like a hundred years. I mean, it, it was so planned I mean, there's so much dirt here. And you think about all the ties he had and all the power he had and all the people he was involved with. There's no doubt this was a, a, a hit, you know what I mean? Well, I'm not necess- I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but I do believe his death was nefarious. The reality of the situation is someone who attempts suicide in the prison system is not released back into regular prison society given clothing and given electrical appliances with cords that would allow them to commit suicide. Jeffrey Epstein was given the means and motive to end his life. Now, we know the cameras were out. We know the guards didn't do their regular check. And that certainly raises red flags. Also what raises red flags is the fact that the government 
has has provided us with any information that one way or another details what took place inside the Metropolitan Correctional Centre in Manhattan. Now, if you consider what the revelations of my book, Epstein, Dead Man, Tell No Tales, are, it puts it into context as to why Jeffrey Epstein may have wanted to kill himself. Despite the fact that he ran the most sophisticated, complex, uh, child sex trafficking ring the world has ever seen. He was much more than that. He was calculating and predatory man who reveled in his status as a globetrotting pedophile. And not just that. He used his power to exploit the vulnerable and underaged, all while covering his tracks within the innermost circles of the establishment. So he essentially used his access with the rich and the famous to trap them. And then he traded in the dirt that he accumulated on them with some of the world's most secretive intelligence agencies. Jeffrey Epstein was a spy and he was running a complex intelligence operation for the purposes of blackmailing powerful individuals and politicians in the United States and abroad. Don't take my word for it. Take the words of Ari Ben Mashani, who was his spy handler and is on the record confirming that. Yeah, and, and, and there's, I mean, you think about all this. I mean, like, how, how, how do we go about this? I mean, you look at, and whenever you ever seen a body, come out of anywhere that shows the face. Usually when a body comes out and, it's, and they're dead, they, they cover, they zip it all up. That was also very suspicious. Do you know what I'm referring to? Yeah. I mean, I think in many ways uh, the justice department wanted the public to see Jeffrey Epstein was dead to diffuse the conspiracy theories, um, which was vitally important. Uh, I think, to the Department of Justice because they know that this case is shrouded in so much controversy that ultimately uh, we would be having conversations like we are right now. Now, let me ask you this. What's your theory on just the excuses? I mean, you look at how they said the cameras were out. You look at how they said the guards fell asleep. How do you analyze that? How do you take that in and kind of fathom it and, and put, it in, put it into words? I mean, I, I just – it's so suspicious. I mean, it's so, it's so weird. I mean, the guy, uh, you know, was not suicidal. He told a lot of people he was not suicidal, uh, and he told a lot of people he was scared for his life. There were a lot of people uh, that were out to get him, according to him. And he was telling people Look, think, that, and there were – Yeah, I think that – you know, as someone who has been in a number of prisons, fortuitously not as a felon or uh, serving a sentence, but interviewing people and someone who has studied the uh, correctional facilities, it's quite evident that, that, 
that those facilities are flawed and that there are serious problems with relation to jails at both a state and federal level. They are overcrowded. There is not enough staff. Staff are overworked and underpaid. There are drug rings operating inside almost every prison. And the, the government has not afforded the prison system the resources that it should have to ensure that things like cameras are not out, if indeed they were not out because of natural causes. So uh, I think it's, it's easy to understand um, the prison system's failures. But what it does highlight is when someone of the caliber of Jeffrey Epstein is arrested, then they need to be treated in a different manner. Now we have Ghislaine Maxwell behind bars at the Brooklyn Correctional Centre and her lawyers are complaining that she, her every movement is being watched. She has to wear paper clothing. They write down everything she does. Well, the reality of the situation is stiff shit. She is the kingpin of the Epstein trafficking ring. She should be the most watched prisoner in the world. She's alleged to have been involved not only in the procurement, but also in the abuse of a number of young girls. So I have zero sympathy uh, for Ghislaine Maxwell and her uh, bemoaning her current situation. Here's the million-dollar question. Did Jeffrey Epstein kill himself? Do you think? I do believe he killed himself, but I believe that he was told to kill himself because of his connections to espionage, that they thought with him died the secrets of so many. I think that foreign intelligence was relieved when he died. They knew that Elaine Maxwell was the custodian of those secrets. But I think right. that they thought she would have been smarter to have left the United States. The reality was she could have pulled a Roman Polanski. She could have gone to France where she has citizenship. And she could have indeed uh, used her means, some $20 million, to ensure that she would never be extradited to the United States. But she didn't. And now she faces a criminal trial. I think it's highly unlikely she will go to trial. The Southern District of New York that is prosecuting this case rarely, rarely ever indicts anyone that they don't believe that they're going to win in court. And it's an unimpeachable case. So the options for Elaine Maxwell are very few and far between. She either rats people out, which I'm told she doesn't want to do, or she takes a plea deal, doesn't go to trial, and the perjury charges are likely dropped. But it means that she's never going to see the light of day again, most likely. Yeah, I mean, let me ask you this. How much 
information do you think they got out of Jeffrey Epstein before? Uh, I don't you think he, he you think on well, anyone. We saw, we saw, I mean, we saw him get interviewed. You don't think he really gave out any secrets? No, absolutely not. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why he killed himself. The reality is uh, the information, though, is likely already in the hands of the U.S. government. I am one of few people that have seen inside his New York townhouse, not because I was invited, but I've seen thousands of photos. Each room had a camera. That camera was rigged up to a central room, and from there, there were Xerox machines that burned off DVDs and printed off material as compromat. And it was a classic honey trap situation. So he would blackmail those individuals to either provide intelligence, which he would sell to foreign governments, or he would turn them over uh, as sources. So I, I, I think that Epstein likely, as a result of his arrest, both in Florida in 2007 and again, before he committed suicide, I think that the compromise that existed is likely already in the hands of the federal government. But let's not forget the federal government allowed these two to operate their sex trafficking ring and espionage ring seemingly without consequence for close to four yeah. decades. So be careful what you look if you look down the rabbit hole, be careful what you see. You might find something very nefarious. Dylan, I'll tell you what, man. I love talking to you. I want to get you back on here very soon. This, this is real. You're, you're a, a strong wealth of information, very insightful, um, and I love everything you're doing. Keep it up. Tell everybody where they can find the book and where they can connect with you. Of course, they can go to Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. But during this period of unprecedented crisis with the pandemic, those most affected are your local bookstores. So all good bookstores should be carrying the book. If not, they can go online to Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And I'm, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Dylan S. Howard. I love it. I love it. Dylan, let's have you back soon, man. Keep, keep up everything you're doing and uh, uh, wishing you the best, my friend. Thank you very much, Rory. Anytime. Absolutely. Um, everybody, we will be right back with the professional nominee from California, Chris Bish. And very excited to talk to her. Uh, big night on the Rory Sauter Show. Still a lot of people to get to. I'm getting to everybody. Don't worry. Stay with us. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love, like chicken, shrimp, and cheese, just got even hotter. New delicious taste like whiskey flat iron steak and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. 
My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse harder blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sodder Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to in 25 countries on 70 online platforms. Everybody, it's a beautiful night coming to you live from Phoenix, Arizona, doing my show from my boat on the lake. I'll tell you what, it's, it's quite, quite the scene. I, I do want to introduce right now, everybody, and by the way, thank you for staying with us. Um, I believe we have U.S. Congressional nominee from California, Chris Bish. Chris, how are you? Oh. Welcome to Rory Sox. I am great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, honored to have you here. Uh, a real pleasure. Uh, your mm-hmm. first time on. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name's Chris Fish. I'm a realtor out in the Sacramento area of California and a cancer survivor, mother, business owner, and now I'm a candidate for Congress. You're the nominee, aren't you, in the Republican Party? I am. Uh, and and out here in Sacramento, my name's going to be directly under President Trump. Well, so tell it. So I, I want to. And, and by the way, uh, God bless you, um, overcoming cancer. I've had many relatives that have had to deal with it. 
and friends. It's a, it's a, it's a real, it's a real battle, but uh, you know, what a warrior you are and here and true hero and inspiration to others. And, um, and you have a lot of great policies. You're, you're, you really want to make California great again. And uh, tell us about your district a little bit. Is it, is it more of a moderate kind of area? Is it more left? Is it, how would you describe it? Yeah, it also, depends what part also, of town way, you're... By the way, also, uh, please tell the audience what areas it covers, because I know parts of Sacramento, I know it's like the Bay Area, right? No, no, no. Sac- we're 90 miles from the Bay Area. Uh, the state capital, Sacramento, it's right in the middle of the district. Um, okay. So it's the Sacramento area, West Sacramento, um, right there where that big golden bridge is. Um, and we go all the way down towards Elk Grove, uh, lots of smaller communities, uh, Oak Park, Land Park, Antelope, Foothill Farms, Little Saigon. We have an amazing, diverse community. Um, it's just people from all over the world are here. Remember, this is the state capital. So uh, right. we're a draw here. We've got... Um, uh, beautiful skyline uh, for the city, downtown Sacramento, and uh, you can see the rice fields from there. So it's farmland, it's city, it's, uh, you know, we've got horse ranches and you name it. Uh, Sacramento State University is here, UC Davis Hospital, Shriners Hospital yeah. for children. So it's just an amazing mix. Um Demographics say we're D plus 24, which means I'm in uh, one heck of a fight. But, uh, you know, I'm going to tell you, I am meeting people who are, have been ardent Democrats. Uh, they're right. not telling me they're going to change their – they're not going to change party, but they're disappointed, and they're voting for me. Uh, it's just, well, there you go. And you, know, and you make a good point. You make a good point there because there's a lot of Democrats – that don't even identify with their party anymore. It's gone so far left. And a lot of these moderates, they may not agree with everything Republicans do, but it's a hell of a lot better for them than communism. And I think they understand that. Well, they do. And they do. And when I talk to people, I, you know, I try not to be a cheerleader for the the Republican party. I am a registered Republican, but I I want them to to, to get to know me. Give me an opportunity. Don't look at the text box. Don't look that I'm a Republican. You know, don't look that I support the the NRA. Um, tell me what's important to you. Let's see if we can find common ground. There's no one on this planet yeah. I'm going to agree with 100%, but let's see where we can make common ground and where you can see, are you better than you were two years ago? You know, are you better off two years yeah. ago? Are you safer? Do you have more money? Are kids better educated? Well, if you can't say yes to any of those things, then are you going to vote for the same person you did two years ago? So I'm guessing, if I had to guess, there's probably uh, a career establishment politician currently in that seat. Uh, yes, yes, and uh, you know I'll go ahead and, and, and say her name. Her name is Doris Matsui, and she's been in this seat since 2005. And uh, she took over when her husband passed away. She got to waltz into that seat. But you know I'm going to go ahead and break some news here. We did file a challenge uh, for the certification of her uh, candidacy. I've been doing a lot of investigation work. Uh, I have a prior career as an investigator, and uh, we've got about 200 pages here that we put out there. I'm 
saying that she is not a California resident. She's been living in Wash in Maryland since uh, 1979. Wow! And then and that and this is how long were you investigating this for? Wow, that that sounds like I've a been, real bombshell. I mean, that's crazy. I've been putting this together for about three months, uh, getting all of my documents, case history, mortgage documents. Uh, we'll have we'll have the formal press release going out tomorrow. A, a tax statement, um, ethics committee report where she got in trouble back in 2008, and she was able to get out of trouble. I've done a lot of background, and uh, we dropped this off with the Sacramento County Voter Registrar today, the Yolo County Voter Registrar, and the Secretary of State. So I know I'm uh, really uh, stirring up a hornet's nest, but. This this lady's entrenched, and what a lot of people don't remember about her is uh, she was on the Clinton transition team, and then she ended up in the Clinton White House. Roll call, did articles on her. Judicial Watch chased her for years because Judicial Watch said that she was the ringleader for the China Gate money laundering scam. Right. Oh no. I oh oh. oh. I mean, this is. This is insane. I mean, this, you talk. This is criminal. Yeah. I mean, this, this woman. This woman should have no. I mean, the only the, her only option is resigning. I mean, I, if this all comes out, I mean, she's going to be so humiliated and so embarrassed, and realize that she's got a lot of issues on her hands, and she'll have no other choice but to to get out of there. But I, you know, this. this wow. I mean, this is this is quite something. This, this- this is huge. This this is breaking news. Like I said, we're doing the uh, the formal press release tomorrow. You know, she's 75 years old. She just got married. She eloped over Easter vacation. She married a gentleman named Roger Sant, and he was yeah. the president of AES, biggest energy company on the planet. Right. So I called on her a few nights ago to resign from the. Uh, Energy and Commerce Committee, being married to this gentleman, that is a conflict of interest. So, you know, in the next two months, I've got a campaign to run against her, get her disqualified from the ballot. But in the meantime, her being married to this uh, Mr. Sant, she has no business on the House Energy and Commerce Commission. That's a conflict. Crazy. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Let me ask you. I'm a digger. (laughs) What happened? You said something? Sorry. Oh, did I lose you there? I said, no, I'm a digger and I'm a fighter. I don't leave any stones unturned. No, absolutely. No, I I hear you. And, and, um, you know, I know I obviously know how bad L.A. is with homeless epidemic and drug drug epidemic. I've seen the pictures. I've seen the videos. I know how bad it is in San Francisco, Uh, how bad it is. How bad is it in Sacramento? I can only imagine it's terrible. I mean, that's where Gavin Newsom resides. That's the capital. So I'm sure he's probably enabling all this poverty. Uh, it's it's just horrible. And uh, what they've done here, it's so bad that, uh, that we've got notices on the rivers. You know, this is summertime. Normally people would be in the American River and Sacramento River. But um, the – They've, what they've done with COVID is they've closed all the restrooms, so the public bathrooms, the ones in the park, where the people who are, need that those facilities the most can't get to them because they've locked them up. 
so now they're, uh, you know, defecating on the street and the sidewalks and along the river and everything, that our water is contaminated with E. coli. We just had a report a couple weeks ago. A lady got out. She was in a wetsuit in the river, and she ended up with uh, second-degree blisters all over her from the contamination. And it's the E. coli. Oh, my God. Yuck. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's just horrible. And I, hey, and just remember, if you get any fish out of uh, out of the bay, out of San Francisco, all that nasty E. coli that's coming out of Sacramento down the river, yeah, your fish are swimming in it. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. You know, uh, California all used to be such a wonderful, recognizable uh, state and such a such a, a lovely place to go, but it really has turned into a third world ideology. I mean, it, it's, it's bad. I mean, it, you know, I, I've lived in Phoenix, Arizona for about, about nine years now, but I'm originally from Seattle and uh, Seattle, my home city uh, has just turned into a, a shithole, just like California. I mean, and all these cities in California, I mean, it's turned third world and it's because of these politicians. There's no other person to blame. They are the ones that put the policies in place. They are the ones that can change things, but they don't. And you, we see all these conservative areas. Like, I'm in Arizona, and Arizona's run great. I mean, people moved to Arizona so they don't have to deal with that shit. Same with, like, same reason why they moved to Texas. I mean, you know, the wild, wild west is really the place to be. And I just hope California comes back. I hope it's the, you know, party of Reagan once again. I hope we can get, you know uh, – get some sort of sane, uh, you know, mindset, you know, uh, back in office. I mean, it, it's really a mess right now. It, you know what? It is a mess, but there's people like me, my friend, Buzz Patterson. We've got Tamika Hamilton, oh, I love him. Eric Early, Errol Weber. Been on before. I we love are Buzz. taking it back. Yes, we are taking California back. You've got to remember. I you have, to, I, I've been wanting, I want Republicans so bad to take it over, and I really think, you know what, Chris? I really think you have a good chance because I think people are tired of voting Democrat. I think they're pissed off. It doesn't even matter about, you know, party anymore. I think people just want common sense. I think, I think people just want to live their lives, Thank you. run their business. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Well, and, you know, we're shut down here. Um, we have – just the worst economy right here in Sacramento because they've closed down all the, the hair salons, the nail salons, the restaurants. You can eat outside at 25% capacity. So, you know, we've got yeah. these uh, politicians like Doris Matsui and, and uh, Nancy Pelosi, and they're all talking about the women, but the shutdown that we have in California is so bad. It disproportionately affects women. Um, and that's for right. retail, salons, restaurants, you name it. Um, and, and we're hurting. We're hurting. And we need hope. Yep. And I'm telling you, California, is it, it can come back. We're not far gone. That's why I'm not leaving. I'm not running to Texas or any of these other states. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to fight. This is my home. And they're not running me out. I love it. God bless your soul. God God bless your soul. I, I, I admire you. I adore you. you. To have you back very soon. Let's talk more. Um, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can donate, all that good stuff. Okay, so you guys, you can find me and donate at bishforcongress.com. That's B-I-S-H 
forcongress.com.org or .net. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. You can call my office if you want to go the old-fashioned way and have me send you an envelope. The uh, campaign office is 916-772-0102. Again, it's Chris Bish, B-I-S-H. And our campaign slogan is, send a bish to Congress. Perfect. I love it. I love it. We will definitely get you back on the program soon. Chris, thank you so much for everything. And uh, I'm praying for you. I'm rooting for you. And, uh, you know, we need to make California great again. Uh, Definitely. And I have a fight, so please, please donate. Uh, I can't imagine she's going to give up this early. It's only 200 pages, so I've got a lot more research to do. But we're going to take her out and take the speakership away from Nancy Pelosi. She can answer to me for the Ethics Committee for what she's done if she survives this election. Amen. I love it. I love it. Well, God God bless your soul. Thank you. Um, Let's get you back in the next week or two. Sounds good. Thank you, sir. Have a good night. Bye-bye. I want to welcome to the show. I want to welcome to the show. I believe he's with us, uh, crime expert Carlos Cavazuti. My buddy, how you doing, bro? I bet you have a lot on your mind. You probably want to vent. You probably want to vent. My man, my man. Nobody messes with Carlos Cavazuti. This guy is one of the toughest dudes alive. Dude, you, you don't know. Hey, tell, how hey, I've tell everybody. To hey, run, hey, tell to everybody run my mouth you tonight. Used to, you used to interrogate people. People were scared of you, man. You used to interrogate people like no other. I mean, you were one of the biggest, baddest investigators on the planet, brother. I mean, you made law enforcement's job easy. Well, when when I was in law enforcement, I had some restraints. But after I left law enforcement, uh, there was nothing that restrained me. And I've done a lot of things to make I've done a lot of things to make people talk, and I have no qualms about that at all. Uh, You you know, bad people need to be made to talk the truth. And, uh, you you know, it's just you you have bad guys out there that are not going to tell the truth to an investigator if you ask all the ABC questions. You need to go beyond that. And, you know, Barack Obama was one of the uh, blocks to investigating a lot of these Mideastern terrorists. You know, he didn't want them to be waterboarded. He didn't want them to be holed up in Gitmo. Uh, He didn't want any of this. You know, know, people like these terrorists, they don't get any rights. They're, they're not under the uh, Bill of Rights in our Constitution or have a right to an attorney. They have a, a right to endure whatever pain we inflict on them to get the answers that we need to make our country safe. And, you know, if you listen to all these pro football players, uh, you, you made know, the telling best us quote. What you is... made the best quote the other day. You, you, I, I retweeted you on Twitter talking about all these players having women with all. The, I mean, what was it like? Sixty different women. What, what did you tweet? I mean, all these motherfuckers, you know, sticking their dicks in all these different pussies. 
and having all these, I mean, excuse my French, but you know what I mean? I mean, this is going out of it, control, it, man. It, Kneeling's not the it issue. It was like Tell everybody what seven, NFL, seven NFL players, if I'm quoting myself right. I could be off by one or two people. Uh, fathered like 64 kids by eight different women. I mean, what the <laughs> fuck is that? How do you think these NFL players are going to take all the care of all these kids? I, I mean, they are just so out there, and, and most of them aren't going to have any money a couple years after they retire because they're going to blow it up. They're going to think, oh, well, you know, these checks are just going to keep riding in. And, you know, unless they got some big contract with the – those, uh, those bitches are getting a lot of money, I'll tell you. A lot of them get like 20000 oh, oh, a month oh, yeah, in college yeah. support. And, and, and they do this on purpose. You know, they don't tell the guy when they're laying on top of them, oh, yeah, baby, put that sperm in me so you can put a baby in me. <laughs> So I can collect some child support and, and, you know, for the rest of my life. And you got to pay for his education. You got to pay for his food. You got to pay for his diapers. Who the hell does that in their right mind with anyone? I mean, you know, if I was making all that money, uh, you know, hey, baby, here's, a, here, here's not even like a prenup. <laughs> But a pre-fuck uh, <laughs> document, and you got a sign here on the bottom line that says you aren't going to charge me for any child support or anything because you went into this voluntarily, knowing that I'm some super ass star. And you know, some, if I wanted to listen to some super ass star that chased the ball, I'd listen to my mother freaking dog. Because, you know, that's what animals do. They chase the ball. And, you know, that's just what it is. You know? I hear you, man. I'm pissed off, man. I'm pissed off. I'm sick of all the shit going on in the world. I'm sick of all the fucking... Oh, man. And and don't get me started on Rittenberg. Okay, go ahead. Get me started on Rittenberg. This young man had every right to do what he did, and he's going to walk away from this, and I don't care how many other riots are started. Out of all these motherfuckers, he's going to do the shit out of all these motherfuckers that called him a white supremacist. There's no proof that he's a white supremacist. There's nothing. That's the only thing they can go on with their liberal narrative. Fuck them. Exactly. Because, you know, they don't have anything. He defended himself. He, He... fought away three people that tried to assault him. And, you know, two of them died. But, dumbass, don't you think that's what you get when you approach somebody with a gun or a skateboard yeah. and attempt to beat somebody with a, a, a um, uh, not a deadly weapon, but a uh, deadly instrument. That's what they used to call it up in New York, a deadly instrument. That that left out a what you know a real gun. Yeah. But you know something. Right. If I beat you and over the head enough with a skateboard, here's what goes on, Carlo. Here's what goes on. These motherfuckers come at us and they try to attack us 
But when the fucking shotguns come out, they cry like little fucking bitches because these motherfuckers don't know how to use a gun. Antifa doesn't even know what a gun is. That's right. And when one of them got arrested, he was crying like a little bitch baby in, in the police station because he got locked up. He didn't like that. Well, you know something? I don't have any sympathy for these people. And Nancy Pelosi... If you're listening, which I doubt she is because she wasn't a listening to anything that's reasonable, but you know cunt. something? If your dumbass walks into a beauty salon and wants to get your hair blown out or washed, well, you know something? Tough shit. If someone recorded you, tough shit. You got what you, you know, put out there. And, you know, isn't it too bad when, uh, you know, the shit comes back to bite you right in your ass? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. Oh, and then then the bitch tries to say, oh, I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know. Why don't you go have another fucking drink, you fucking whore? You fucking old egg, head. Exactly. You fucking... I can say every name and, in the book, and... but I'm trying to, refrain, trying to refrain from the language. Sorry. I'm just on a fucking rant. I'm well, angry. Well, he, I hate these fucking puppets. Well, you, you know, I think you and I are meeting in the middle on the language bit. But, you know, Pelosi wants to have it both ways. She thinks she is Queen Latifah or whatever the hell you want to call her. She thinks she can go do anything she wants with her bodyguards out there. Who was that son of a bitch that followed her into that beauty store? Was that one of her bodyguards? He was masked. But, you know, Pelosi wasn't masked. You know, wasn't he breaking the law? Well, you know, so maybe he needs to have his ass locked up. You know? I, yeah. I, I mean, come on. Let's be serious. E, you know, equality goes both ways. She works for us. She is no one to try to, to uh, uh, press her own ideals on all of us. She is here representing us in a member of Congress. But you know something, Rory? I think when November 20th rolls around or January 20th rolls around, she's going to be looking for a new job because, well, you know, maybe she'll be mopping floors in some women's penitentiary because that's where that stupid-ass bitch is headed. (laughs) No, I agree, man. I agree. I mean, you know what? She's a... And her, let's not forget her whole family. I mean, her father was the mayor of Baltimore, I think, in the 60s or 70s when it was at its all-time high in crime. I mean, these people are not these – are, these are career politicians. They're, they're disgusting pigs. Good catch. Oh, yeah, exactly. It, you know, the whole bunch of them. And if you don't think Trump has got other numbers and isn't doing the investigations, these people got another thing coming. All these people, I mean, they should be getting down on their knees and not asking, you know, for BLM to accept them and forgive them for all their white privilege. They should be getting down on their knees for another reason. And you and I both know what I mean. You know something? Right. And Sleepy sleepy freaking Joe, Sleepy Joe got bowed down to the mob today. He bowed down to Black Lives Matter. What a fucking pussy, man. What a, what a, what a, a soy boy. I mean, you know, he, 
Joe Biden sold his soul a long time ago. I mean, the guy's a fool. The guy can't even count to four. He can't form a complete sentence. Uh, the guy's an utter failure. And uh, you know what? He belongs in a nursing home. No offense, but this guy's got dementia. Oh, yes, he I mean, does. Guy... Yes, he does. But he, he learned that bowing down shit from his buddy Barack Hussein Obama when Osama, he went around the world Mama and kissed Obama. every dictator's ass. Yep, yep. Barry Hussein. Barry, uh, whatever his last name was, uh, you know, when his okay. mama was porking that, you know, whatever black guy she was doing <laughs> at the time. Yeah. No, man, I hear it. I hear it. You know, it's crazy. It really is crazy. I, I, you know, the whole situation, I don't know. He was born in Kenya. I can prove it. I mean, Joe Arpaio, America's toughest sheriff who's a good friend of mine, has proved the birth certificate's fake. The guy was not born here. He may have been raised in Hawaii, but he was not born in the United States. He was born in Kenya. End of story. Uh, Carlo, I always love talking to you. Tell everybody where they can connect with you and find you. Well, they can always reach me at uh, Carlo Cavazzuti, or I'm sorry, CavazzutiCrime.com, and it's spelled C-A-V-A-Z. UTTICrime.com. They can also arrest me. Yeah, right. Uh, they can also reach me on Twitter at Cavs45C on Twitter and uh, Facebook at CavazzutiCrime.com. Uh, you know, my love- third book's getting ready to come out in November. And, you know, if you like crime fiction, this. It's going to be good. Hell yeah, man. I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, stay with us. Um, I, I want to welcome to the show, we got activist Equintal Middleton. Equintal, what's up, buddy? How's it going, Rory, man? You the man. What's happening, man? Oh, uh, man, just another day, you know what I'm saying? And just kind of, you know, appalled by everything that's going on in the streets. I'm really getting sick of this shit, man. I'm sick of the whole <laughs> corona scandemic. I'm sick of the violence. I'm sick of the assholes that are invading small businesses. I mean, you're in New York. You're in the middle of it. You probably see a lot of shit. And you, I mean, I know you grew up in the hood, and you know what it's like. I mean, you've seen dead bodies outside your doorstep. And, uh, you know, being, going to be a Trump supporter, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, it's not easy, especially being judged by people around your neighborhood. I'm sure they, you know, I'm sure you've probably heard lots of bad names. You know, I mean, I mean, these people, they need to wake up. They need to, they need to stop hating Trump. Yeah, you know, I have, you know, I'm still basically in the hood, you know. Um, but the whole challenge is, and, you know, God has given me a developing skill to remain friends with those who would want to still remain friends with me, uh, you know, even though we share different political views, because, you know, that's the key. You know, if I could still be your friend, even though we share different political views, then that gives me more time to, you know, to present to you why, you know what I'm saying? So if I can, if I could just keep the friendship, which is, it's not, that's a challenge now. It's a challenge, especially when you, once you disrespect me, I'll try my best, you know, and of course where I'm from, we don't take disrespect too well. But when they see that I don't disrespect them back, that you know, it, it does a, it's, it's a shock to their mind, and then it, it does something to the conscience. So I haven't repaid you evil for evil, 
But, you know, as you said, what we see here today, we got a lot of evil going on, but that's what we have going on in the world. You know, we're, we're in a time where, you know, even the Bible says uh, we're, we're seeing where evil is being called good and good is being called evil. You know, we got defund the police. We got, uh, you know, we, we're blaming Trump for everything. We got abortion going on with the Black Black Lives Matter supports. We got uh, violence with the with the liberals supporting violence. We got. I just heard a, a young student was sent home for wearing a uh, a Bible based T shirt. Uh, you know, um, then I heard. I don't know if you heard of this one. This is fresh off the press, Rory. Um, Black Lives Matter leaders are calling on spirits of the dead. Did you hear that one? That's crazy. Did you, did you hear that? that yeah, oh, yeah. That? Oh, oh, I know. I know. It's one thing after the other, brother. So once we, you know, we see a party in, in a, you know, a, a, an organization like that calling on evil to come against what they call evil, then, uh, you know, I, I mean, every spirit of the dead is, I mean, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. You know, you, you can't, like, like Martin Luther King said, you can't drive out evil with evil. You know, you can't drive out hatred with hatred. So it's crazy. You know, it's, it's really crazy. And like I said, this is what Isaiah uh, chapter 520 says. We are living in a time where, you know, and it says, woe, <laughs> you know, woe unto those who call evil good and good evil. Uh, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. And that's what we have here, Roy. And it says, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. So it's like I look around and I say, wow, you know, uh, Jesus is coming back, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm just a, a voice crying out in the wilderness. And I've been spreading the message of resilience all over the place. And uh, like you said earlier in the show, um, President Trump, he lost his brother, and he was back to work soon. And that doesn't mean he's insensitive or he didn't care about his brother, but that means that he is resilient. And that's the theme that I've been speaking about. And I'm getting, you know, a few calls, and people are, you know, gravitating and embracing the whole theme of resilience because, man, you and I both know that, you know, we need to be resilient from all of the pushback we're getting. And when we're trying to really call evil evil, and they're calling evil good, that you know we we got to call you know we we got to really be resilient man and Trump is one of the most resilient presidents I've ever seen in my you know 47 years of living and it doesn't doesn't it just impress you and just like make you amazed how he, in a lot of ways he shows no emotion i mean you know i mean and he's so tough i mean there's nothing that can hurt him i mean anybody tries to provoke him he he gives them uh, you know twice the punch and, and then they then they sit sit back down. I mean, you know, this guy is bulletproof. I mean, he's he's made of steel. He really is. Yeah. Because no other then, politician then, or president would be able to endure this sort of a, these sort of attacks. Exactly. So that's why I call him like Mister Resilient. And they're they're misconstruing his uh, his sternness for him being mean and angry. No, they're, they're, what it is is that some of them are really bothered and angered that he doesn't fall for some of the rhetoric and some of the traps, you know, the, the psychological trips that they try. And uh, he's got a lot of temperance. He's got, you know, he's got some of the fruit of the spirit, you know, he's not perfect. Like you and I aren't, I know I'm not, you know, but uh, he's got, he's got, uh, he's got a, a sternness and a, uh, he developed a good skill 
for dealing with nonsense, and he does it very, very well. And like I said, they're trying to call him being insensitive and mean, but I think he's very wise, and he calls it, he calls white, white, and black, black, and that's it. He's, he's a, to me, he's a great guy. And I, I did a video, I don't think a lot of people did it, took, um, took it well, but I did a video call. I think that Trump is the father that some young men, black and white, you know, never had. You know, he's like the father that some was. He's a stand-up guy, and uh, he's yeah. a leader. And some of us men, you know, me, I'm 47. My father left me when I was 12. I embraced Trump. You know, father figure, whatever, whatever you want to say. But I think right. he is the father that some young men never had. Well, I agree with you. And I, I, well, I said it a little differently. You know, uh, in the past, where I, I said he's like America's grandpa. He's like that grandpa. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna give you. Yeah. He's gonna give you the greatest life lessons. He's he's gonna be sincere. He's gonna be authentic. He's gonna be genuine when he approaches you. He's gonna he's gonna prove that he cares. And um, yeah, and that and that's really yeah. that's that's hard to come by in today's society. I mean, we have too many phonies, too many fakes in today's society that, you know, they pretend they care, but Trump is real. Trump is the is is the uh, le- the legitimate guy that is there for our best interest, and you know, and I and, I, and you know, I lost my father uh, when I was twenty, um, you know, about nine years ago, and it was the worst day of my life. He was my everything, uh, very successful in business, uh, you know, uh, one of those one of those guys that started with nothing and built an empire and uh, built a huge real estate company and. Um, you know, just liked by everyone, just a, you know, and he was my coach for all my teams. I mean, just, just wow. like the, the greatest, the greatest father, I'll tell you. And, you know, I lost a part of me that I'll never get back, but he reminds me so much of Trump. And I say this That's to people right. all the time, having Trump as president makes me have a little bit of my dad back because they're exactly the same personality. My dad never, never feared anybody. He was bulletproof. My dad was kind of a smart ass, but in a good way. Uh, my dad had the same sort of style and persona. I mean, so you know, it, it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I think I think it I think it gets under a lot of guys like you and I's skin that he he really does uh, represent and sort of you know he's he's like he is like the father that like you said like you had and some of us never had or wish we had and it's like. Some right. of some people are just not courageous enough to admit it or or really identify with him as such. Did did Ice Cube come out and and, and support Trump? Did he? There's something that I heard. Did he? Uh, did you hear anything about that? Ice Cube. I heard he uh, Ice stepped Cube. up and you know Who with, 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 you know, with, with Kanye. Who? I heard he stepped out and, and you know took support of Trump. I don't know. These are things that I'm just hearing, but um. You know, who, it's, wait, uh, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! Who, who are you talking about? Ice Cube. Oh, Ice, Ice Cube. Cube. Ice Cube. I, yeah, I thought you, I yeah, thought you said rapper. Ice Cube. Oh, okay, Ice Cube. <laughs> Ice Cube. Okay. Um, no, yeah, no, I, I think. Well, here, here's what I heard. Ice Cube is disgusted with the Democrats. I never hear, heard anything about him supporting Trump. All I heard okay. is that the Democrats are offering the black community nothing. So, you know, he doesn't know what to do in this election. Yeah, yeah. And you know, that of, may lean him towards Trump. Right. And you know what's happening? A lot of uh, black leaders, rappers, and, and voices out there, they're coming at least 
halfway and saying that they're kind of disgusting right. and tired of the Democratic Party. Right. So, you know, like Kanye, they're not going all the way and saying, hey, you know, F it. I'm for my whole career and everything on the line. You like it, you like it. You don't, you don't. But at least they're saying, hey, there's something wrong, you know, and that's, you know, I, I speak a lot about the conscience, and it's all but so much a person's conscience can take. And once you violate a person's conscience, you know, and they have to lay down and say, you know what, I'm supporting Black Lives Matter, and Black Lives Matter is really destroying black lives. You know, it's God gave us all the conscience, and we have to deal with it. We even have to suppress it, which is going to make us sick and depressed. Right, and, and, and cause them some some bad things, or we have to give that conscience over to the one who gave it to us, and that's God, as Jesus Christ. And um, a lot of our consciences are being waking up, and we're you know we're really giving that conscience over, and saying you know what, I'm going to follow yeah. the voice of my conscience, and I want to say you know what, abortion is wrong, Trump is pro life, I'm going to support the person who's you know who's pro life, simple and plain. And, uh, you know, like I said, everybody has a conscience. And once you violate my conscience, I'm going to speak against it. And, you know, if you like it or not, I, uh, you know, I, I have to do it. Because, like I said, I have to live with my conscience. Absolutely. I have to, no, I I have to protect I... my conscience. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah, so no, I, I agree. I always, I, I, yeah. Absolutely. Equitol, I, I do have to close out the show right now. Tell everybody sure. real quick. I got a couple of seconds left, but tell everybody where they can find you and connect with you. I am on, uh, of course, Facebook, Equintel, E Q U I N T A L, Middleton on Facebook. I'm on, uh, most of the people know me as Quint Advice, Q U I N T S Advice, Quint Advice on uh, YouTube, uh, face, uh, Facebook too, and Instagram. Uh, real quick, shout out to Eric Regard. He's a cinnamon for California too. California is on fire right now. So shout out to Eric Regard and the New Jersey Black Alliance, the Trumpers, the Candace Owens Group, and the Races United. These are all groups on Facebook that have embraced Quint's advice. You know, I do a 12, 12 noon um, Eastern Standard Time uh, watch party every day, and these guys have really embraced me quite a bit. And thank you, Rory. I love it. Yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. Um, everyone, I want to thank you for tuning in tonight. It's been a fantastic show. I will see you all tomorrow at 10 p.m. Eastern. Until then, I'm Rory Sauter. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Much love. Cheers.